Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Johnson here from the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. I just wanted you guys to know that the UK base full10yards.com has their 2021 NFL draft guide coming out April 1st. So go go check it out. Go go buy it. Over 200 players including myself are being scouted on there. Um, get your pre-orders in now. Check it out. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast where Joined by an unfamiliar voice on this side of the podcasting world, but obviously a very familiar voice to draft podcasting, Simon Carroll. Hello, welcome, sir. You're back. We're back together after another week. Yeah, enjoyed it last week, mate. Um, for those who didn't know, Lee came onto the Collapsing Pocket podcast and joined myself and got rid of those other two idiots. And we talked uh, our fence, didn't we? we went through all the positions, our top five, some guys we liked, and uh thought we'd return the favour, do it for the full 10 yards crowd as well and do defence this week. So really looking forward to it, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, completely second that. We had a really great pod last week. Um, a bit too much agreeing. I think we'll disagree a little bit more on the defence this week. Um, but yeah, it should make for a great podcast. As Sai says, if you haven't listened to that um, one that we did last week, go over to the Clapton Pod Kit and uh, yeah, go and have a listen to us talking some offence. We don't often get together when we do. It's usually great. So yeah, go over and listen there. So let's get right into it. You know, usual usual thing that we did. We did it also last year as well to hark back to that. Um, a couple of top fives, a couple of other sleepers and names that we like for each position. But usually just a good old chat about some draft prospects. So let's get into it. Do you want to start in the trenches? Start with the front and work our way backwards? Where else would we start, buddy? Where else would we start? got to end in the defensive back, haven't we? End the top. So let's start in the interior defensive line. I'll hand over to yourself to, to run through your top five and then we'll go from there. Okie dokie, buddy. Well, uh, I wasn't. This is the first position group I did, um, like a couple of months ago, and I wasn't wildly overwhelmed mm. by it. But I think it's a little bit underrated to some extent. It's like, well, I'll, I'll just go into it. Shall I? I, I, I think we're going to change it a little bit as well because it's such a long time ago. But number five, we'll go with Jalen Twyman from Pittsburgh. Okay, uh, like the kid. Obviously, we didn't see him last year, um, and but two years ago, the ACC absolutely terrorized it, didn't he? You know, I like. He looks, he looks like he's going to be like this three-down, four-three defensive tackle for the NFL. I do believe that it's going to take time for him to get there, but I think that's quite a theme with this position group in general. Um, but at the moment, you could even just use him as a situational pass rusher. It reminds me a little bit because he's a bit undersized as well. In that two hundred ninety pounds, six foot two, it reminds me a little bit of Maurice Hurst, who's just been released by Las Vegas, and I thought he did a, had a reasonable career for a fifth-round pick. And obviously, we know his. Uh, NFL draft like stock dropped in it because of his, uh, he had a heart condition but mm-hmm. I think yeah you got a similar kind of guy in Twyman and I think he's the interesting one I've, I've just moved him in there uh, I was a bit put off by the lack of 2020 tape especially at the moment but the more and more I've watched the prospects the more people have seen that obviously 2020 you can almost write it off kind of thing I'll slip him back up again I've got your boy Davion Nixon at number four he's a real interesting story um, obviously just that two star recruit wasn't he coming out of high school it went yeah. to Juco before making his mark with Iowa um, yeah, just a little bit behind the curve, isn't he? That's all he is. The raw traits there are phenomenal. Like he's, he's, he's absolutely a, an absolute beast. If it's terrifying flashes of talent that comes from him, um, he's that he's a run stuff on the interior, isn't he? And I think once he puts it all together, he can be that like three tech dominator in a yeah. four three to some extent. Um, but I think just even right now, the upside alone will get him drafted on day two at the very latest. So I think he's a talent that people are going to look to. Maybe you know, I like teams that not necessarily. 
having to like force it, just get a guy that they think is supremely talented, maybe at the top of the board. You don't, you know, they don't need to fill a hole immediately. Baltimore Ravens always speak to mind when I think of defensive linemen for that. Uh, I've got Jake Fairley at number three. He's one of my favorite ones to watch because he's just like a whirlwind on the field. I know you'd like him because of obviously he's a Pac-12 connections from that. I actually don't. I actually really don't like him at all. Oh, do you not? No. Oh, no. I got in a bit. I got in a bit bothered with his uh, teammate, Malin Tui Pelotu, because I was I was speaking to Ollie about um, would anybody really be paying much attention to Tweepo if uh, to failure played last year. And uh, next thing I know, Tweepo's following me. So <laughs> did he have like? Has he bugged my office or something? <laughs> but, uh, and Ollie did an interview with him as well, and he's such a nice guy that I felt they're guilty after that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I liked Philly. I, I mean, I think it's he's, he's done disciplined. Like it's, mm, it's that's crazy. One of my big gripes. Yeah, very much so. Um, and I think he's he's a bit lacking sand in his pants as well. I think he really needs to be a bit more stouter. But I mean, it's. If he can't get to the play, he'll just destroy the whole thing. He'll just crash the line. And I, lo- I loved that about players who were so desperate to make an impact and think that if all else comes to failure, he's not, he's not worried about looking good. He'll just make a mess of things. Just make an absolute <laughs> nightmare for the offense. So that's why I like him. I, th- I can understand why other people don't, but I, I enjoy he, watching him. He reminds me of like an excitable puppy who just wants to like <laughs> just run around, hit a load of people, cause some chaos, like you say. There was one, there was one play in particular that really turned me off. And you know, he's undisciplined, and like you say, like he doesn't have a great anchor and things like that. Mm. It's against Fresno State, I want to say, where there was like an end round or a jet sweep or something like that. And it literally took him about two seconds to realize that the play was on completely the other side of the ball, about 10 yards down the field. And I was just like, this guy just isn't switched on at all. I just, thought, I just can't buy into this at all. So, yeah, that, was, that wasn't on the only play, obviously, it was, but it was certainly something that sticks in my mind. And yeah, just, just couldn't get on board. But I can see the virtues of like what you're talking about for sure. I think this is the reason why I think this position group might be a little bit underwhelming is that if you look at the top three players in any other position, you won't be talking about these serious situations you find, you know, or, or like lack of quality at that stage. Um, the top two, I think, borderline first round draft pros, uh, prospects, potentially, especially if teams fall in love with them or they've got a serious need there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone for the, the ascending star, Le- <clears throat> excuse me, Levi Almazuri K as, as my second guy. Um, he's enjoying a real good ascension towards the end of this draft uh, process, and obviously had a great senior bowl. He's the he's the, the the real pass rushing interior, real athletic one, isn't he? Out of the, out of the guys, and um, yeah, I think again he's going to be situational to start off with. I think he's, he's just got too much to learn. I think obviously he needs to put some weight on if he really wants to be starting yeah. against the run. And I think if you're not starting against the run, you're not going to be lining up in, uh, for three for three downs, and that's the that's probably the only reason why I've got him as my second guy um, because he's the traits are off the charts, aren't they? I mean, the athleticism is insane. Absolutely insane. I mean, he's just uncontrollable when he's when he's basically let off the leash and getting I mean, I've told get going get in that backfield. It's such good fun to watch as well. So uh, I'm really rooting for this kid because it's going to be fun. But yeah, I had to put him in second, and that leaves there uh, obviously the big man, Christian Barmore from Alabama. He's number one, six foot five, three hundred and ten pounds. He's the the closest thing in this draft class, I would say, to the perfect interior defensive lineman. Um I think he's probably first round worthy. I don't know if he will go first round. He's got such a wild draft range, this guy. He could go as high mm. as like the mid-teens. You can find a team really fall in love with him, someone like the Raiders. I think the yeah, Raiders, I was about to say. they were whinging all for the last two years. John Green's been whinging about the quality of play of his interior defensive line. It wouldn't surprise me if they reached on him because they're not scared to reach. But then again, it wouldn't also surprise me if people think, well, we'll come back to our interior defensive line second round. So yeah, the, the range is, is crazy. But I mean, obviously we... He played that three-take B gap, didn't he, for Alabama so well. I mean, so physical. Mm-hmm. And he's got he's got it all. He can stuff the run. I don't think he'd be playing for Alabama if he couldn't. 
if you can't defend the run, but the ability to get the backfield as well. Certainly, we saw him come to life, didn't we, in the college football playoffs this season as well. Uh, yeah, immediate contributor. I think that's the big difference in this class. I think he's the one guy you can say he can start day one. So that's why he's my number one guy. Yeah, it comes with that pedigree, doesn't it? Like you say, coming from Alabama. And I know that like, you know, you only get really one or two years maximum, don't you, on Alabama, because there's such a, a conveyor belt of talent, especially on the in the trenches, you know, we've seen it and we over the I was gonna say the past couple of years, but it's been much, much longer than that. Um, yeah. you know, especially on the defensive line for sure. Um, yeah, he's he, he like you say, it does baffle you, doesn't it, that the range that he's got because he is such a, a, a talent that is probably on everyone's wills, either one or number two in this yeah. position. But like you say, it goes from, you know, what is it, 17 when the Raiders pick all the way down to, you know, the middle of the second round sometimes in some marks. I mean, in the draft punks mod mark that we did all together, I think I took him with a 64th pick or something like that, didn't I? Yeah. It, it, you know, it was just slipping down and slipping down and slipping down and couldn't let him go anymore. Very much, yeah. I do I think mean, he'll go the first round, so sorry. I, th- I hope he does. I think he's that, that, he's that talented. I think sometimes people just get very almost bored of, of positions that really don't light it up. I, I, I mean, he, I a lot of people mock him for 32 to the Buccaneers. Mm. You got him at 64 in that draft, so that, that's interesting. But I honestly do think he's the standout uh, talent. And that can work both ways. Obviously, the class as a whole might knock him down, but him being the one and only guy you can say for sure, he's a starter in the NFL, that might make him go early. And I think a team like the Raiders is a, is a perfect spot for him. Yeah, yeah. And, the, you know, they've just released, like I say, Maurice Hurst has also lost Arden Key off that defensive mm. line. So they've got a couple of vacancies coming up and, you know, we'll get into edge guys in a little while and you know, we could maybe even call out a couple of those guys to maybe book 17 as well. So mm. they've got some they've got some holes to fill there. Well, that whole defence, really. <laughs> yeah, a whole team, mate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I assume he's your number one. Like. He isn't actually, he's not. Um, <laughs> like you mentioned before, David Nixon, he's just my guy. You know, we spoke last week about players that you kind of fall in love with. I mean, maybe my grading went to my head a little bit and I'm grading with my head instead of my heart sometimes. Don't <laughs> worry know. about that, mate. We do what we want. Yeah, we, that's, very know, true. We, that's we very like true. I had, I had Jalen Mayfield as number three tackle last week and I'm not, I'm not shy. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not shy of it, are you either? No. So you're counting him out on your, uh, on your Facebook on one of your My Guys uh, posts on one of the Facebook <laughs> groups that we're on. So yeah, no, you've got to stick with it as well. No, I just think David Nixon just explosive, lives in the backfield, super production, even though, like you said before, he's come from Duco, he's not had that kind of like coaching all the way through his college career. And I do think that because, I mean, Iowa, you know, we talked about like great pedigree on the trenches in Iowa, you know, they're great, coach, really well coached, I say. I just think he, he's got that ceiling that you said that can just be something else in this class. You know, he's got a lot of, of traits, like you mentioned, he's really, really explosive. And he's a little bit like Levi, where he, but he's also that bigger. He's also probably got about 20 pounds on him already. Yeah. You know, and you can get bigger as well, still, and get stronger as well. I do think he probably does need to put on a little bit more strength, but, you know, he's not been in a strength and conditioning program at college for more than two years. So, you know, he's got that growth to come. So, yeah, I just thought with David Nixon, the, the ceilings there and just kind of fell in love with his tape a little bit. So he went straight in at my number one. Bam, what is my number two? Um, and then I've got Levi on with Ricky at uh, number three. You know, he's my kind of Pac-12 defensive lineman, if I'm going to be honest. No, that's got... I think you're right, because I think him and your, your boy Nixon, they're probably the ones with the most upside in this class. Mm. So, you know, it, it depends however you scout. And quite often I do this a lot, just raise people up because I think of what they can be rather than what they are right now. And mm. team, like we say, teams who are in a good position and don't have to draft for, for the immediacy, they're going to be guys that they target because the, the long term, they're a better player. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then I did smuggle in another Pac-12 player, if I'm going to be honest, you know, true to form. Of course I've got did. Osa Odegazua in there at number four from UCLA. 
Mm. We just fell in love with him. We fell in love with him over there on the podcast, uh, just in general. Raj and Kieran, absolutely massive fans. You know, we heard it on the draft punt. Yeah. Just, you know, this wrestling background, long arms, great leverage, massive strength. And, you know, we've heard it all before on our podcast, so I'm not going to bore our listeners with that too much more. We hear Kieran talk about him way too much. So uh, I think he manages to crowbar him into pretty much every episode. I'll say one thing about him. Um, I actually scouted him as an edge rusher. Oh, okay. um, because that's where he started his position for UCLA. Mm. Um, obviously, he's a guy who can play both positions. I think that versatility is going to be absolutely key. And interestingly, a, a big factor in a lot of the UCLA uh, prospects this year is that kind of versatility. But um, just a little allude to a boy I uh, called uh, call for last week. But um, no, I honestly think also Diggs, he was going to be, he, he smells to me like a Cincinnati Bengal kind of guy, like real like athletic interior tackle who. You know, if you'd be comfortable in three, four, or four, three, because you can play him as a seven tech mm. easy enough in that three man front, you know, just uh, and he could do either role. And then, yeah, I scout him as an edge rusher. And I honestly thought when I was watching him, I'm, I'd be happy if he wasn't edge rusher. Mm. I, I wouldn't possibly put him in my top five, but you know, I was thought he had basically had the skill set, and that just shows his athleticism to me. Yeah, and obviously he plays at that lower weight as well, so he's not, he's mm-hmm. kind of kind of that big end, as you mentioned. So, yeah, no, can completely see it. And like you say, you know, it's, it's one of them, isn't it, where you're getting these guys, and we're not talking about premium, premium talent, and they're not going to go for premium draft picks either. So you're picking these guys in the second, third, maybe even the fourth round, you know, because this isn't a premium uh, interior defensive line class. You've got a moldable ball clay there, haven't you, that you're going to make something of. And my guy, who I've got number five, definitely falls into that mold, and it's Darius Stills from West Virginia. I just really like this guy. He's such an athlete. He's so aggressive as well. He's so powerful. And again, kind of that shorter, squatty guy. And I think that power just kind of means he's got that natural leverage and can really use it as well. And again, kind of lives in the backfield, gets a, you know, not as much as a as a, as a, a Nixon got in production, but definitely, you know, gets in the backfield and, and gets to the ball carrier or the, or the quarterback. And again, just a player that I really liked. I'm really kind of loving the uh, kind of shorter, squatty guys who can kind of... Um, yeah, like you say, leverage out these uh, these bigger offensive interior offensive linemen and kind of move them off the spot. So yeah, he came in at number five, but you know, again, not the premium kind of players that we're going to be getting in the usual years, I would say. Yeah, two hundred eighty-one pounds. The next Matt Ioannidis, I think, um, plays with such urgency. Uh, I think I think you just like the raw kids who just look like they could you know, become this next big thing, mate. It seems to be quite a theme with your top five. And yeah. I really like Darius Stills. I think he's a fifth round pick, but I think, you know, you get down to that and, you know, you look for someone, find someone like that, you know, someone with upside at that stage. I think it's a fantastic move. Uh, he's not my sneaky uh, later round pick. Mine, my guy, I, I suppose we'll call from this group, the one I got really excited by watching was uh, the next Kenny Clark, mate, the big old Bobby Brown from uh, Texas A&M. God, I love this boy. What a <laughs> strong... Big, strong, 315 pounds, six foot four, durable interior I mean, I just You cannot move him. No one can relocate mm. this boy. Absolute ridiculous anchor. You know, uh, and I just, I, remarkably, despite playing for Texas A&M, fundamentals are all there, which is a shocker. <laughs> so, you know, I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a bit disappointed to play for the Aggies, to be fair, but I do like him. I think he's just got a nasty mean streak. Um, I think, obviously... He needs to continue that development. He's not in the full package yet, but I think he's getting focused because he he does kind of fight flick on and off a little bit. He's mentally more than physically and effort-wise. Mm. You can see it a little bit in his game, but I think he's got positional flexibility. I think he, he can be that one second or three. I think he could also be a nose. So that's why I've got him comp to Kenny Clark. Um, I, and I think he goes early day three. He's a guy I'm really looking forward to seeing where he lands out. You know, some, somewhere, when you have your guys, no one ever expects them to be like, sneak into the first round or anything like that. But you do want to see him land in a real mm-hmm. cool spot where they have an opportunity to make their way up the depth chart and, and be a player that you all think he could be. So that would be what I'd like to see from Bobby Brown. 
That's it, isn't it? You know, Saturday daytime on the drive, Saturday afternoon in, in the UK, you just sat around, you're watching the picks come in or, you know, you're looking at your phone every now and then and you are just looking out for these guys, aren't you? Looking out for the guys that really caught your eye throughout the process and just hoping that they kind of land in a good spot, if not on your team sort of thing. So, mm. yeah, completely, completely get that. My um, kind of late round guy who I really liked was Kyrus Tonga from BYU. <laughs> he's like an absolute fault lift, isn't he? He's just a human being of enormous size and proportions. Like, yeah, you just can just get in the back of you, you can just move people and you're just not moving him either, are you? He's just one of them that really stuck out. I thought, you know what, this guy is absolutely enormous. He's not going to be, he's not going to have any Porsche. He's just going to be, you know, a run stuffer. Oh, but yeah, he's got, he's got a little bit more to him. He's got speed, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. He chased down the back inside of a player like he's an edge rusher or something. He's crazy. I've never seen a kid like it sometimes when he's got it clued up. But the moments where he has it turned on, he's in his man and he sees it coming. The kind of few and far between is the only issue with Tonga. But yeah, a physical yeah. beast, obviously, you know, 320 pounds or whatever he is, just a monster. And Ali Hoskinson loves his kid, I think, because he fell in love with every single prospect from BYU that's, <laughs> uh, last season. He just said, How much? How much? He's just a fun guy to watch again. I think he's very similar, probably with a slightly less upside than uh, Jade Spaley. I think he's that kind of guy again. You're just going to make a mess of things if it's not quite looking right for him. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we've got some differences there. I wonder if we'll have some differences on the edge. I think we probably will. I'm going to start you know off this we time. You I'm know going to start off this time and get in early before you get in there. <laughs> so I'm going to work from the bottom up. So my number five, I've almost like got a, a well, I've got Miami dominance on my my line here. Mm. Uh, Quincy Roche number five. Uh, I just saw a little scowl as I mentioned that then. Was that no, not, no was I, that a little I love oh, really? I love <laughs> fair enough. I've got my, started already. No, I've got this my seven, but I love this kid. Go on. <laughs> okay. Uh, then I've got Greg Russo at uh, number four, Jalen Phillips three. I know that I'm gonna be really high on my number two, and everyone else is gonna be like, What are you talking about? But it's Patrick Jones from Pitt. Everyone's gonna think I'm a Pitt Panthers fan by the end of this podcast. I'm talking, I'm telling you. And Aziz Ojulari at number one. I and you know, you'll you'll notice that I like these smaller. Uh, skinnier guys who can bend, you know, with Roche. I noticed you've forgotten about uh, a prospect from Michigan. What numbers? Bloody- oh man, no, 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 no. He's like edge eight or something like that. No, I'm not a fan at all. Right. Well, I was not be a nice fan. To you. <laughs> I'm really going to struggle. Should we, here. Just, should we just get in, get into that one then straight away? <laughs> oh, what are you? But Quitty Pie is my number one edge rusher. Wow. I, th- okay. I, I think if you look at him completely, he's always he's got the complete package almost. I would say that. Uh, maybe outside of a little bit of nuance to his game, a little bit. Yeah, I, well, I'd say he's definitely raw, you know. But apart from that, you know, you look at—he's <laughs> got all the traits, right? And I think in that last season at Michigan, he showed what he can do. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. He, I just that power, that absolute power. Like I know you like the speed guys first, but mm. I mean, it's the it's the transfer power from 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 strength to speed at the point of, of, of contact with with the offensive tackle is where is where these guys win. And if you don't bring it in the first instance, you're gonna have to line up very far wide out to be able to get build up speed to do it. So this kid can play in any front. Essentially, is what I'm saying. Um, just so twitchy. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's slow at all. I don't, no. I don't, I don't really see a downside to him outside of the fact that maybe he's not quite developed his hands yet. I think that's pretty much it. I don't. My biggest downside is play for Michigan. Can't stand the, can't stand the <laughs> yeah. school. I wouldn't but, have been together that, that one. But yeah, I honestly think that people are just going to fall in love with him. I, I can't see a problem with him. I love all those Miami kids. Every single one you said. Um, Patrick Jones, I quite like as a mid-round prospect and maybe even sneak into day, uh, to, to the second round possibly. But I don't know how you could leave Quitty Pie all the way to edge eight. <laughs> honestly, mate, I'm not, not impressed at all. Look, Oof. I do agree. I do agree with all the things, the positive things that you said. Well, most of them at least. You know, he's got elite, <laughs> elite get-off, elite quick, you know, quick first step. 
change of direction for a man of his size is, is really, really good. Like you say, he's got that bend, he's got that change of direction, he can definitely flatten the arc. Uh, and you just stay low, lots of effort, converts power to speed. Exactly, yeah, okay, I could get it, you know, I get it 100%. But I just think that when I saw him come up against, like, elite competition, he struggled. He got deleted out of the game by mm. good tackles, people who know what they're doing, and also people who are as athletic as he is. Watching him against Iowa in 2019, Tristan Wirfs, we know how much of a beast he is. I didn't see him. I did not see Quitty Bay on the tape at all. Came up against um, Wisconsin, obviously not elite talent, but elite coached unit, you know, in the, in the way that they're line. drilled for an offensive line. Hmm. Again, didn't see him. And I just think when he gets into the NFL, because I'm thinking, how does he translate into the NFL? Yeah. I'm thinking if he comes up against elite tackles every single week, what production are we going to get? Are we, are, we, are we seeing a flat track bully? That was my, that was my, my real big thing about him. That I can see all the traits. I can see that, you know, with a bit of development, with the hand usage and things like that, he'll he'll be like scary. But if he's coming up against players who know what they're doing, and also can match his speed and power, what are we what are we going to get? Are we going to get someone that kind of falls flat in the face? And I do. Do you know what? I'm I'm completely know that I'm out on a limb here. I do know that I really value him a lot less than a lot of other people. I completely recognise that. I do think he'll be the first edge drafted, and I completely get that because I think the mm-hmm. candidates for taking first edge. The Giants, maybe the Vikings, maybe the Raiders, we mentioned earlier. Yeah, they all fit love him. that profile, doesn't it? They will absolutely love him. And I do think that over Jalen Phillips, who pro, well, is, in my opinion, obviously a better player, I just think that, that they will they will take him over that, especially with the concussions with, with Phillips. So yeah, I just I just can't get on board. I just think there's a lot to be scared about, although there's a lot of there's a lot of upside as well if he gets it right. Well, I mean, we'll get to one of your players and talk about being scared of what could go wrong with him in a minute. But uh, I, <laughs> no, I, actually, I actually find it quite interesting that um, it's almost like we flip roles here. Like I, I'm starting to look at what people could be mm. at edge rusher because I've got a guy in my top five. You, you, I imagine, but based on this criteria, you're going to hate. <laughs> um, I've got Jason Owe in my top. I think he's my second, my edge two. Yeah, he's my edge two. We have got we've got completely opposite opinions on this draft class on the edge. Yeah, yeah, because it's just it's just unbridled speed and power. And yeah, okay, there was no production at Penn State, but you know what else had no production coming to the NFL? Same exact same weight, height, not even as quick. And this kid's got all of his fingers as well. J- Jason Pierre-Paul. <laughs> so you know, I don't, I don't worry about I don't worry about uh, the production at uh, college too much, really. Mm. As long as you see what you can see on tape, and if you, I mean, I was, I got very excited about early doors, and then everyone laughed at me, in particular Ollie Hodgkinson. So I started like being a bit quiet about it, sheepish, uh, and then um, everyone jumps on the bandwagon after his pro day, which you can imagine. And I know we have to take them with a pinch of salt a little bit, but uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry to a gate crash, your top five, but this is so polarizing. No, no. It's, it's crazy, but I think what it does suggest is that there's, I would argue, maybe ten uh, edge rushes in this class that teams in the NFL will all have in different orders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe even 11, if you want to throw Joe Tran in there. So just re- reel off these names. I've got a quitty pie, Jason Owe, uh, Jalen Phillips, Aziz Jalari, Gregory Russo, Quincy Roche, Joseph Asai, Carlos Basham, Ronnie Perkins, Joe Tran, and Patrick Jones. And I think that's 11 pass rushes. I could see teams having them all completely different. I'd put Peyton Turner in there as well from Houston. Yeah, Peyton Turner. I mean, I've got him as a third, I think it was a third round pick in my mind, but I can understand why. Yeah, absolutely. One of those players. I absolutely, my guy, if we're getting away from the top five already, is Patrick <laughs> Johnson from Tulane. I think he's mm. fantastic. I think he's better than Cam Sample, who everyone gets excited about at Tulane, but we'll get back to him in a minute. But yeah, this is a, a really deep class. I wouldn't maybe necessarily say that there's like that elite Miles Garrett piece at the top, but 
any team could go anyway. Yeah. I think you look at what they need. Like, for instance, we're going to talk around no doubt about Aziz Bloody Adjulari in a minute, but you put him in that. Yeah. What was what team's got? Who Jim Swartz put? Is he now at Titans? Who need an edge rusher? Mm. Put him at that wide nine defense front, give him all that speed. All of a sudden, I, you know, I think he's a lot better than I do. As, as as it currently sounds, even though I have him as my edge four, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I am a bit worried about him about that bus factor. I think there is a bit of a whiff there. I think he's a bit Vic Beasley-ish, you know. But you put him in the right spot, I think it's not even a problem. I think all of a sudden becomes a real, real worry for offensive linemen to, to deal with on a down by down basis. So it's going to be really interesting where they go. I mean, that's it, isn't it? As a as a bit of a side point, obviously both of us, both of us know, and, and a lot of our listeners will know as well that landing spot and and fit just matters a heck of a lot, doesn't it? Hmm. That's a lot, a lot of the time when we sort of see these guys on tape and we fall in love with them and then they go to somewhere that just doesn't fit or, you know, something doesn't work out and then they bust and it's just like, oh, it was all the players' fault. It might not have been, you know. Hmm. Well, how often do we see busts go elsewhere and become something, you know? Not not too often, but it still does happen. I think hmm. that's definitely scheme-based. It? Anyway, so you went with the three Miami kids and Patrick Jones and who was your number one guy, sorry? Larry. Osley was, was number one, was he? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He's he's on, on my scale, he's actually a fair bit ahead as well. And mm-hmm. the difference between Patrick Jones, Jalen Phillips, and Gregory Rousseau is I think if I remember off the top of my head, is like 0.18 on my numerical scale. So it's like literally like they're basically all the same player. It's mm-hmm. like one of those things where it's it's fractions literally yeah. between them all. I think they're you know pretty much at the same level for different reasons, you know, the three completely different players. And Phillips probably without the concussions, got to take a little bit off for, for serious injuries. You know, the semi-retirement or early retirement before he came back, however you want to kind of cut it, yeah, definitely yeah. has a bearing. Obviously, if they've got like the odd muscle injury and things like that, I'm not really going to take it into consideration. But you know, a lot of concussions and obviously bowing out before transferring over to Miami did definitely take a little bit off him. So truly he'd probably be two and it'd probably be a little bit different if it wasn't for that little bit that I took off of Jalen Phillips. I would say he's more of the most rounded edge rusher in this class, for sure. And I think he's got the pedigree, you know, he was the number one player coming out of high school in whatever year it was, 2017, I think. And um, he's got he's got the higher ceiling than Patrick Jones. I, I see Patrick Jones as a experienced kind of wide variety of stances, wide variety of pass rush moves, high floor play, but maybe like a lower ceiling. He's not the greatest athlete, but his 10-yard split was excellent at his pro day. And that's obviously what you're looking for more than anything on yeah. the on your edge on your edge or your um you know defensive line, wherever you want to line him up. Jalen Phillips, I think he's got a little bit more to his game rounded. And then obviously, I think the one you want to talk about maybe is Greg Rousseau, isn't it? <laughs> In terms of the variation, the variety, and um, you know, the, yeah. the, the complete mystery that he's become almost amongst the draft community. I just I just get I don't know why everyone's dying. I mean, how many players have left it's out 2020 or you know, at a real low portfolio of work in 2020 you know but i don't care about that it's a wrecking ball is gregory russo you know 15 and a half sacks and 20 tackles for a loss in 2019 those numbers speak for themselves mm. they really do i think his length's good you know he's very quick i think they kicked him inside a lot didn't they yeah. um uh, miami i think you know that positional versatility is, is going to be amazing i i'll be i think he might fall to the second round but it's going to be borderline Reminds me a lot of Bud Dupree in Kentucky rather than Bud Dupree we see in the league. I'm not quite as hot anymore, but um, you know that kind of guy who just gets moved around to really take uh, advantage of mismatches. But yeah, ultimate tackling machine. Those long, strong arms. You see him on tape all the time. Just reeling people in from different postcodes. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's pretty. I love, I love Gregory. So he's my, he's my number five guy. 
Um, I've got Ajilari at number four. and Jalen Phillips, I think, without the concussions, I think would probably be my top guy. Um, I am a little bit worried about whether he can stay on the field compared to Jason Owe. Obviously, I think that's the difference. Um, those two are neck and neck for me. And I do have Quitty Pie top because I just think that when you are, when you look at the, the traits in a class where no one's quite the perfect guy, he has he has the, the best set of traits, really. And I think if you're going to teach one one thing to uh, to an edge rusher, it's how to use your hands. You know, if if he's got if he's got the footwork, if he's got the power and the speed, the strength, the athleticism, the hands, it's the last thing to come. It's so easy. I mean, I, I don't really see how he cannot learn that unless he goes to a real rubbish football team like the Bengals or something. But, <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, but no, I mean, I just think it's going to be there for him. I think that's not a problem. But yeah, Quincy Roche, love that kid. Much mm-hmm. more nuanced. Very. Very cultured edge rush if there's such a thing. I absolutely yeah. love watching him on tape. Carlos Basham, huge big dude with reminds me a little bit of AJ Epinesa from last year. That yeah, kind that's of a like good, that's a good comp, actually. Yeah. Hybrid yeah. size guy who just moves too quickly for a man of that size. It's unreal. Ronnie Perkins, all these guy who's just another whirlwind kind of guy. He'll, he'll just find a way into the backfield, come what may. Mm-hmm. Not a massive fan of Joe Tryon. I think we're getting a little No, I'm, I'm not either. <laughs> Joseph Joseph Asai, I think he's like Aziz Ojolari light, really. Maybe he's got a bit more pounds on him, you know. But uh, that real quick guy, maybe not quite the finished article, so I've got a bit of a Derek Barnett comp on him, um, I think, Aziz uh, Joseph Asai. But uh, again, that pro day, he was the first of the pro days where everyone just went, what? Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. Uh, what's going on here? But that's exactly what you see on tape, right? Because he's almost, he's, everything's like 100 miles an hour. And, mm. you know, backside pursuit is like absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, we could get down this list of names for some of our guys, but we'll be mm. here all day, mate. I mean, I just start, I won't give too much details away, but obviously, we I imagine you like Cam Sample as well, just from what he did, senior bowling and thing. I know you like Peyton Turner, Jordan Smith, love Jordan Smith, yeah, from I like Jordan Smith. very excited about him. That, gotta be careful how you use him. So, he's my comp for him is I like doing comps because it just gives people an idea of what we're talking about if they don't know. But Dion Jordan is my comp, a guy who was way overdrafted by the Miami Dolphins, what was eight years ago, whatever it was. Um, but once he found a home, he was very useful as what he is, which is that kind of like Leo linebacker edge rushing kind of guy. And I think Jordan Smith can do that role, which is pretty good. Um, who else do I like? What's, 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 scroll down this list. Oh, absolutely. Deo, absolutely love Deo de Yingbo. You'll so, have to tell me about him, man. I have still not found any tape on him. Oh, I can't believe you. I, I think I must have got lucky with this. Um, I even gave him the full name, which I can't remember anymore. But yeah, um, you, you, he lined up everywhere for Vanderbilt in that front seven. Middle linebacker, played there as well, didn't matter. Really? Yeah, honestly, <laughs> right. God, like, well, he's Vanderbilt. Yeah, he's the only good player in that front right. seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they just put him wherever they thought he would do the most damage. <laughs> but yeah, ultra versatile pass rusher. He'll exploit a hole from anyone on the football field. Real urgency again, that kind of like desperation to make an impact in the game. You know, don't get me wrong. This is, this is, he played at 275 pounds uh, for the Commodores. Uh, he's down to 265 now. So, he can, he's, he's a big guy and they were putting him at linebacker, you know, just whatever he could do. I just think the aggression he brought, he was obviously fighting uphill battle every week yeah. in that SEC. Mm. Um, but he competed and no, he didn't give anyone an easy game. I really love that about him. I think I think the, the danger with him is that some teams might ask him to put more weight on and be a three-tech. I think that's the big biggest, and I don't mind it, to be honest. But I just want to see him land with the creative coordinator. He'll give him, he'll let him do basically what he did uh, Vandy and just move around that formation. Mm. I love that kid. Really, really love that kid. Have we got anybody else? Yeah, I'm sure I've got a few. There's, there's, one, there's one player that I really, really like that I've been banging the table for as like a day three kind of sleeper for can, the, ever since I watched him. Can I guess him? Go on. Chris Rumpf. No. Although he's everyone's, he's everyone's sleeper, isn't he? 
Well, he's just a speed, didn't he? So I was yeah. assumed to be your guy. I don't, I don't mind him to be fair. You know, he, he's obviously he's like ridiculously small. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think you know, it was a situation of pass rusher. I think he's going to have some virtues, especially we like to say with a creative DC, you can move him around only as like a stand-up linebacker in you know pass rusher situations. Never be a starter. But mm. I do think you know he'll, he'll, he's one of those people that could have like you know like one season where he gets like twelve sacks or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, he'll be yeah. like he'll have one of them in like a few years' time where he'll be on like his second team or something like that. Yeah, and then people have just forgotten about him and just bring him in situationally. I think it's an exactly yeah. excellent suggestion. So go on, I'll give you one more guess before we, oh, we get the name. Well, I'm, look, I'm just looking down this big list of mine. Taron Jackson's popular for a lot of people. I, I won't shout this other name out because I'll, I'll talk about him after you finish, but maybe Malcolm Coons from Buffalo. Yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. Yes. Really like him. Really, really like him. You mentioned it a minute ago. I can't remember who you were talking about now because we've gone through, through so many names. Oh, you were talking about pay, weren't you? With the saying that the hands come last. Mm. Well, I think with Malcolm Coons, the, hand, the hands are there. The hands oh, are there. Yeah. The hand usage is superb. Like, if you could put his hands on one of these like top edge rushers or you know, either of our top fives, I know we've basically got two different top fives, but you know, if you give that hand usage to one of these guys, they would have like you know, we'd have an actual top edge rusher. Do you know what I mean? He, yeah, he's no. so proficient, but he's just not an athlete, and he obviously plays at such a low level, and he's not had been you know battle hardened from testing and things like that from being tested with good competition. But I was just like, I watched him in the middle of I'd watched like I was doing edge rushers for the Fulton Yards guide. And I was just, I was in that little period that we all get where, you know, you just watch him play and just think, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. Hmm. And then I was, I was like thinking, I'm just going to watch one more, one more play. I watch this guy. And I was like, all oh, right, I'm back on the edge of my seat now because this guy can actually play. Mm, yeah. I, I can't remember which position group it was. So I had the similar, similar uh, feeling for a probably tight end or running back. I can't remember which one. But yeah, I was just, I was like, there was the dog days. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, who's the next guy? Come on, put him on, you know. But yeah, no, I like Malcolm Coons. I like the uh, they they flirted with moving around, being a bit of linebacker at Buffalo, and um, but without any kind of like pass coverage responsibility. So it was interesting to see what teams will do. I want him to put his hand in the ground playing at four three defensive end. I think that's where he's from. I, I think, think he like, can do both. I think he can do either. I think he's got that flexibility. I like it. I do like his uh, fundamentals, his technique. He's very smart, very savvy. Uh, it just seems an intelligent kind of like pass rushing defensive end. Who I don't think he's particularly lacking in, in, in traits. His closing speed is excellent. He's got long arms, you know. Mm. He looks like a pass rusher, doesn't he? You know, yeah. he might be, he's, I think he's a bit undersized at 250 pounds, but then again, if you're moving him around the linebacker, then it makes complete sense, doesn't it? So go on there. Who's your, who's your guy who you just mentioned that you wanted to save? Just one guy who I think is going to be a real late round pick, but I enjoy watching his tape both at, at Arkansas State and at Baylor, and that's uh, William Bradley King, who's um, quite, he, he looks long. He's not really six foot three. He's 254 pounds, but um quick twitch guy who dominated at Arkansas State absolutely dominated and then went to Baylor and did exactly the same exactly thing the same, yeah yeah it wasn't yeah. But it didn't matter you see those kind of guys don't you in the NFL as well like you just come out no it's like it's just football isn't it I'll just do the same I was doing before it doesn't matter yeah. who's opposite me he kind of like transcended that as well um again quite similar to Koontz in that he will drop into to the back to linebacker but he did play pass coverage as well which was uh, I quite enjoyed um very quick across the field too so that was cool um He's just another guy who's a bit over the top sometimes, you know. He's just so aggressive that he'll just leave, he'll just leave, he'll get burned. But I don't care. I don't care. You know, you're talking a seventh round guy who could make a play for you when you need one. This is the kind of kid that you're looking for. Um, yeah, and he does need a lot of polish. He's not like Coons in that respect. But I think ultimately you took looking at a three, four outside linebacker, um, just like take the baby reins off and say, go get him. You know, yeah, that's, that's that's what it. you really that's what you really want to do. Um, but yeah, I think pretty much a guy who He's got issues, but you can very much correct him. And when you're at the bottom end of that draft like that, 
you find someone like that. That's what I get excited about. Mm. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's just about cutting down the responsibilities, isn't it? And just saying, just do what you do best. Just go out there and, and chase quarterback. Don't overcomplicate things. And, you know, they're not going to be playing that many snaps a game, are they, if they're a seventh, sixth round pick. So, yeah. you know, use them, use them for what they're good for. That's it, mate. Let's move on then to linebacker. Uh, I hand this one over to you as a former linebacker yourself. So take Ooh, it away. Yeah, yeah I, look, I look like a former <laughs> linebacker, don't I? Um, this is the position group I got excited about last year, wasn't it? I was throwing names at you all over. So watch mm. this guy, watch that guy, and they all end up at Cincinnati. Um, all right. I'm, this is an interesting group. Let's do my top five. I've got Nick Bolton at number five for me um, from Missouri. Um, I love the guy. He's really fun to watch, but to me, He's a gap buster, isn't he? He's a, yeah. he's a guy who just burst the scenes and go and make the tackle. That's that's his modus operandi, and I think that might lead him to be getting to the bottom end of the first round if a team really wants that kind of Ooh, like okay. seeking missile. But I honestly don't, I don't see it myself. But maybe like the Raiders again in, in <laughs> just giving everyone to the Raiders. A proper thumper, yeah, yeah. Proper, <laughs> well, a proper thumper, isn't he? Reminds yeah. me of Denzel Perryman that we've enjoyed mm-hmm. watching for the Chargers. You know, you know what he is. He'll just go and do it, you know. Yeah. There's nothing nuanced about it, you know. He's not got does what he says in the tin kind of linebacker. Yeah. yeah, no expansive game, but you know, for one role, that's your job, mate. Away you go. I've got uh, Jamin Davis at number four. I think he's meteoric rise um, through the season. I think a lot of the draft, you know, the serious draft scouts over in America were talking like uh, Matt Miller and uh, Daniel Jeremiah. They really alerted us all by sneaking yeah. him into like mock drafts, and people started watching tape and going, "Hang on, this kid is just unbridled physicality and, and athleticism." And then you watch his pro day, and you just think, "This is just not real. It's absolutely not real what this kid can do across the football field." And the best thing about it is, he doesn't even feel like he's scratched the surface yet, Jamie yeah. Davis. Yeah, they're like, honest to God, you just think like this is he could get so much better. And we've come across a few of these kind of linebackers. Um, in recent, like the Devins from the Devin Bush and Devin White, yeah, you had that same kind of feeling like they've just not even really started properly yet. But and to- total team leader for Kentucky, even though like little not massive amount of games under his belt, but yeah, proper mature leader on the field. And as a linebacker, that's that is a big trade. I don't, I, I put quite a lot of weight into that because I think you know they, they relay the plays a lot of the time. Obviously, that you know they're telling the rest of the defense what to do. But I think he's a middle or an inside linebacker. So any scheme, put him in there, get him in the middle of the field. Um, Again, a little bit of bust about him, whiff of bust about him, but I'm not too worried about it. I think he's Rashad Evans' job done. Uh, I've got JOK as number three. Uh, if you want to call him a linebacker, you can call him a big name. Yeah, we could have had the question, couldn't we, that you posed to me about Elijah Rittuck last we week. We could, yeah. Safety or a linebacker. We could have done that. I didn't. Um, so I didn't... I've got him as a linebacker as well, so it's all good. Yeah, I, I I love the kid. I think he could be wildly misused in the NFL if he's not careful. Yeah. But, I mean, the sheer unbridled athleticism, the range, the sideline to sideline speed... You want to play him downhill early in his career. You want him to see the football in front of him. You can just charge down and come stop it. I think that's the best way to do it. If you start trying to make, make him play close to the line scrimmage and then to run backwards, I think it's going to be a little bit trickier for him in, in his first instance of his career. But I, I, he's a smart kid and I think he'll get it eventually. It's just at the moment, why not take advantage of that? You know, you could you can almost have that like Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons, that uh, Jeremy Chin role where they just mm. put him around there and just make him fly off the football, heat seeking missile, kind of Hassan Reddick style kind of linebacker. And I think to me, He's everything you want uh, in a prospect that isn't quite polished yet. And I think I think the upside is so high, it doesn't matter. I think he's a middle-of-the-round, first-round pick. I think I could see teams getting really excited by him. I think Miami Dolphins will love him. I think they'll, Chris Greer will look at him and think like he's a little bit more of a like a Minkovic's Patrick chess piece almost, so mm. extent, but, but maybe a bit closer to the line of scrimmage. And I think he'd absolutely love that. I think he might have to jump over the Raiders to get there I don't know who the Raiders aren't taking the Raiders are taking everyone at 17 I know yeah 
a little a little uh, peek behind the curtain. I'm doing a seven round mega mock for the, the touchdown, and I've got the Raiders. I've uh, got the uh, Dolphins jumping the Raiders to take him because um, I think they'll absolutely love him. But I think also the Patriots will like him. I think the Broncos will like him. I think there's a lot of teams who look at him and think he could be like our final piece of our defense. So, mm. um, and there's only one reason why he's not number two on this list, and that's because Saving Collins. Is so good, it's untrue, and he's and not enough people are saying this. I can't yeah. understand. I can't understand why why he's falling out of first rounds of box. You know, I will stand on a hill all day long and say this kid like two hundred and sixty pounds. I think he's up to two hundred seventy five. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a nuts. That's a nuts size to be doing what he's doing. Um, I can understand that. He played a bit of edge rusher for uh, Tulsa. You know, he was on Heisman watch list, early watch list for uh, Tulsa. You know, no one knows what Tulsa not is. Not heard of is it? No, stupid idea. But. Much like Brian Erlacher, who I can't stop comping him to. He's a place for a small FBS team. He's got sideline to sideline speed. He can drop into coverage. He's a ball hawk. Then you make him go and tackle, and he's going to take someone's head off. You know, I think everything about him, I love in a football player. I just don't understand. I mean, who the hell comes out of Tulsa with 236 tackles, 25 tackles for a loss, seven and a half sacks, three years, and then picks off, what, four interceptions in his final season as well? Like, that's just not an all-round game. Insane, a crazy player, absolute crazy player, but with bonus blitzing upside or even set him out as an edge rusher. So to me, he's my one of my favorite players in this draft. Absolutely love the kid. Uh, and then, of course, we've got Micah Parsons at number one because he's uh, insanely talented. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> just insane. Yeah. Just, the measurements just don't make sense. Um, I think he's this year's Miles Jack. I think he's a linebacker that can literally play in any spot at linebacker. Uh, from left to right, uh, inside or outside. Um, and yeah, again, we wonder what it would be like after a year off. Looked absolutely, well, didn't look fine in his pro day, did he? Absolutely dominated it. Yeah. Someone needs to check these stopwatches and whatnot. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think he brings everything you need and more to that position. I, I don't think we're going to be telling people what they don't already know by having Michael Parsons at number one, so I won't go on. But outside of the character concerns, which I've, I can't really factored into it because it's still not there's no nothing to say at this nothing, no, no one seems to be making a great deal of it either in the in the kind of pro draft mm. community let's say no mm. one seems to be like you know it's all been reported it's all there on the internet it's all there to be researched it's all pretty public you know no one's kind of sweeping it under the rug but no one seems to be like dropping it on the boards I think it was like a little period I can't remember when when how long ago it was but there's a little period where yeah it was like oh he might slip but then it was never like oh yeah he'll slip out of the first round or anything like that it was like you know, he dropped down to like the twenties, and now he's back up, being mocked in the top ten again. Yeah, I, I reckon the fact he didn't play last year is more important than than the character concerns. It, to me, it just looks like he's a bully, um, from what you can tell, and probably a tasteless one at that. Uh, mm. We all like to think the NFL is this beautiful sport from the outside, but I guarantee there's bullies in every single locker room. Um, whether or not you like that fact, or it should be the fact, or whatever, he's not second. He's neither here nor there, really. I think mm. it's just it's almost like they whilst they don't encourage it, they almost like it because not only does it toughen up the locker room, but it also brings that kind of bullying factor against to the opponents on the field as well. And I, and I think as a linebacker, he's almost like a, another feather to his bow, if you know what I mean. I don't know. Yeah. It is to encourage it, don't you? No, but, yeah, of course not, because you, you read about it and it's and and it's awful stuff. Like if it, if it happened, like the things they were saying and stuff like that, you just don't want anything to do with that. But, it really hasn't affected his draft stock, and I, I honestly think that he's he's possibly a top ten pick at this stage. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think he's a top ten pick. I think I've been saying it in our group chat at the full ten yards. I think he's he's almost nailed on to go to Denver. I think it makes too much sense in that Vic Fangio offense. You know, long, lean, 
quick. Mm. I, he, he looks like he's playing on fast forward. You have to, you know, watch the tape and you think, "Am oh, I playing this on one point two speed or something like that?" Because he's so quick <laughs> around the field. And like you, you mentioned, all about you know his skill set and things like that. There's also the fact that he can bring that edge versatility as well that you mentioned with Evan yeah. Collins as well. So obviously went to Penn State as an edge rusher and then he's moved back to linebacker. But and he did say that he's willing to do that in the NFL if needs be. So yeah, he's an absolute top draw prospect. Um, we've got the top three. I've switched JOK and Zayvon Collins round. I've got JOK at number two. I think, you know, and it's not, it's kind of not a knock on Zayvon Collins. I just think that JOK is the NFL linebacker right yeah, now. Right. You know, he just fits the NFL. Very much in well. vogue, isn't he? Yeah. And, you know, it, it might come and go, or if it, you know, if it works out to be great, the next sort of batch of defenses for the next little era, for the next five years or so, will be based around players like this. You know, we've seen Isaiah Simmons, as mentioned, doing James Mink Fitzpatrick. JOK will be the next one. There might be a couple more in there. You know, David Collins is, you know, a great player as well. And like I say, it's not a knock on him. I think for his, his size and for him to be that athletic and that quick is, like you say, it's ridiculous, isn't it? This guy's like an edge rusher playing a linebacker and he can do it all. He can cover, you know, like you say, he's got great hands that he proved this year. And, you know, he's, he's been a, a tackling machine for Tulsa. And, you know, like you say before, you, you don't get players that come out of that school very often and, and at this level. I've got a different four and five, though. I've got Baron Browning, number four, who has been another one that's come up on the rails, actually, over the mm. past few months and and and, uh, and weeks. And this whole Ohio State linebacking group is, is really quite a decent core group, isn't it, really? And Baron Browning, I think, There's is the four diamond. four of them in, in this draft, I think. Four. Yeah, Pete Werner, Tough Ball, and, and uh, Justin Hilliard, isn't there, as well? That's it, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think Baron Browning, like I say, is the diamond in the crown, really. Um, yeah, can do it all. And he's a, a super athletic guy. And then Jabril Cox, another great story, kind of mentioned um, Davion uh, Nixon, obviously coming from JUCO, Jabril Cox coming from NDSU, uh, North Dakota State, for those who don't know. And, um, you know, he does have his warts, I'm not going to lie, you know, in, in run sport, he's not your guy. But he's again, it's probably because I feel like he'll fit the modern NFL where everyone needs to pass cover. Yeah. And that's where he's going to make his money. I think he's great. I think, you know, he's right up there with the top linebackers and maybe even some safeties as well. So I think he can definitely pass cover. I definitely think he'll have a home in the NFL. I have um, Jimmy Davis at number six after I've kind of put out a little scout report on full 10 yards this week. I really enjoyed watching his tape. I do think he lacks a lot of stopping power though in his tackling. I thought that was quite a big thing for me that he just, he, he makes tackles and he doesn't miss that many tackles, but I just mm. think when he gets to the next level, again, that, that kind of translation, I just think about these bigger backs that he'll be coming up against and bigger tight ends. I think that'll shrug him off a little bit because he doesn't have quite that stopping power. I think he's put on a little bit of weight uh, and made it make a bit of strength as well. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a lower body um, power kind of uh, issue to start off with. I think his mm. arms are a problem. I think he, I think he gets rocked a little bit upon contact, but yeah, it's not something he can't overcome. I like, I do like your, oh, your group. Sure. I love, I like your top five, Muddy. Um, Baron Brownie for me was one that I must. I had to go back and watch him because everyone was getting excited about him, and I just watched, my first exposures to him. I just thought he was he was meh. I thought, oh, was really? like, oh. yeah, and I honestly think that Ohio State might, might not have really. I think they moved him around a bit too much, really, and he didn't really quite settle into a spot. I think if you put him, I think a four-three wheel linebacker would probably be ideal for him because he's got that range and that speed. I just, yeah. um, I think he's a toolsy guy. So I think they're looking that when he gets to the next level, I think he's going to have a long NFL career, Baron Browning. But does he have potentially the the, the ceiling of all the other product uh, prospects? Not quite. I think I had him as a fourth-round pick when we first I first started looking at him. I bumped him up a little bit. Well, mentally, anyway, I'm not dated the charts. You can't cheat after the fact, can you? You, you, you are what you are. Aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you, know, you have to live with it. Um, and who was the other guy you, you snuck in there that I didn't? Jabril have Cox was. Oh, Jabril Cox. I actually, yeah, I actually quite enjoyed Jabril Cox's take. Like you say, um, he's got to get better at run defense if he's going to 
be on the field three downs in the NFL. But apart from that, I think he's got everything else. There's loads of names in here that I quite enjoyed. Like, I like linebackers. Uh, Chaz Surratt, what a story. Yeah. Absolutely love that. Play quarterback, didn't cut it. Fine, I'll play linebacker. I'll be really good at it. You know, that. what more do you need? I think... Um, I just I get annoyed when people say, "Oh, like he's got lack of instincts." It's like I, that is absolute nonsense. Like, how can you be as good as he is at linebacker after converting from quarterback in 2019 and show the like that natural feel for that position that he's I was going to say that being the, like the ex quarterback, he gives you a feel of what the offense is going to do. So it's, it doesn't really marry up, does it? Yeah, <laughs> at all. He, I mean, he's obviously not the finished article. Of course, no. he hasn't even played 24 games his whole life, but he needs to live in the gym as well. 227 pounds. No, not good enough, mate. Not if you're going to play middle linebacker in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think I would say that potentially the highest upside out of a lot of them because you think you know his level's probably a little bit low. So the, the growth ability to grow, I think, is quite remarkable. And I think you could probably be able to find him in, in, in late day two, maybe early day three if you're lucky. So yeah, reminds me a little bit of uh, the Chiefs get last season, Willie Gay Jr. Willie Gay. That, yeah, yeah, that really athletic dude. You just think, hang on, yeah, he dropped down for different reasons, obviously. But I, th- I honestly think that. This kid could be somebody special. I love Garrett Wallow from TC. Yes, have you, have he's down as my sleeper as well. Yeah, is he? Oh, I'll yeah. let you talk. You talk about him. Go on, buddy. I want to listen. I mean, to be honest with you, you might be a little bit higher on him than me because I don't like this linebacker class at all. He's one that stands out for me on the day three. And my comp for him, I'm not a big comps person, so I don't know if you'll agree with this one. But you know, uh, was it a couple of years ago, three years ago? Josie Jewell from Iowa plays for the Broncos. I know. I likened him to him a lot. I think. He's this like blue collar guy. He's going to make a lot of tackles. He's an absolute stat stuffer, isn't he? What did he get? Over 125 tackles or something like that, was it? In his last year? Uh, I don't know. He had almost 303 years. Yeah, he, he was yeah ridiculous. He was like he was everywhere, wasn't he? And this TCU defense, obviously, we'll get onto the safeties and things like that in a minute. He's been really talented over the past couple of weeks, isn't it? Past couple of weeks, past couple of years, should I say? But yeah, I just think he's going to be that kind of workhorse tackle machine in the NFL. I think he's going to be a great special teams player as well. Like I say, I don't know if he's going to be all that in pass coverage and don't think he's that athletic, but I do think he's going to be like a serviceable player for a number of years in the NFL. I mean, like I say, I'll hand over to yourself because I think you might be a little bit higher on than me, but he's definitely a player that caught my eye in a, in a kind of a muddy puddle of a, a linebacker group in the third day. I'm always having to try and drag you up about these linebackers year in, year out. <laughs> uh, like any linebacker that wears a neck pad, Sign me up, mate. Uh, that's the first thing. Uh, no, he used to be a safety at high school, and you can, I think you can see that on his tape. Like, even though not necessarily the quickest, but his range is good. Very, very savvy. Always cheats ahead of the ball, knows where he's going, really. Um, played so many different positions for TCU and real versatility in terms of working lineup, particularly in that linebacking kind of room. Um, I think he's going to be a 4 3 Sam linebacker, just a physical tackling machine, mm. like you say. But I also think that that's not the end of it. I think he, I do like quite like his. His speed, certainly when you put him up against the people, you know, the, the running backs to the tight ends. I mean, if he's going to keep trying, he's not going to keep up with bloody wide receivers, is he? But you, you make him single him out against those guys, he'll keep up with them all day long. He can, he can erase the tight end, I think. Uh, can go well. And I've got his comp as Dean Jones. I do like the Josie Jewel comp, though. I enjoy a good comp. I love comps. Mm, okay, um, maybe love... a little bit different in those comps, though, that we've got. Yeah, well, maybe you think his athletic upside is, well, quite a bit more than me if you're well, comparing I, to, yeah. to Dion Jones and I'm comparing him to well, Josie Jewel. Also, that ability to like play that kind of hybrid linebacker safety role, I think he could do that. Obviously, he's got the the history of playing safety too, and uh, I think he is almost he felt quite comfortable in space as well. You know, where he can stretch his legs. Excuse me, but um, yeah, I've got him down as a fourth round pick. So he's still a day three pick for me, but loved him. There's some of the names, and there's Monty Rice. I'm not that fussed about him. Tony Fields, West Virginia, interesting guy, and mm-hmm. uh, and Charles Snowden, kind of from uh, 
Virginia. Yeah. yeah, I've got those guys banded together. Um, they're quite interesting too. Won't go on about everybody. Quick mention to, even though he's possibly not going to really have much of an NFL career, but uh, Paddy Fisher from Northwestern. What he was like everyone's favourite linebacker a couple of years ago. Oh, what a man. What a man. <laughs> Just tackles everything and anything, even if it's not near him. Got to look that about him. Um, yeah, but limited, obviously, physically. My sleeper guy probably, apart from Gary Wallow, you know, and all the rest I've named, uh, would be uh, Errol Thompson from Mississippi State. The next Vontae's perfect. Just absolute street fighter. <laughs> yeah, don't care. Though, isn't yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I love him. Ask yeah, Ollie, well, yeah, yeah. Ollie Hutchinson every year should try to find dickheads for me to, to enjoy. <laughs> most, most of them play on the Kentucky offensive line. So yeah, but Errol Thompson's that kind of you. You would not love to be lined up alongside him and be far from happy running the football at him. He's that kind of dude. Uh, he just run through a brick wall to stop a football. Um, mm. And his teammates love him, and but the ferocity of what he hits people, like, <laughs> he's borderline criminal sometimes. And like off the field, he's such a gentle giant, like having a great time. You see him on social media, he's so nice and like friendly and having a, a whale of a time. But he's nearly down run stuff, but just is. Mm. He hasn't got quite that pass coverage uh, range that Perfect showed in his early part of his career. He's more like a late, a late uh, career. Vontae's perfect, really, really. But yeah, good one of those players that. Fans really fall in love with, I think, because he's just like brings his lunch lunch pail to air work every day. Doesn't mess around, and will hit you hard. And <laughs> I would not enjoy meeting this guy on a football <laughs> field whatsoever. If he lined up next to me and I was playing linebacker with him, I would just, I just emasculated. I just slump off. <laughs> Great to have him on the sideline, but yeah, like you say, as soon as you cross the white line, not not enjoying playing against him at all. Mm. Let's move into the defensive back sentai. Um, start off with corners. Go on then, who's your number one? Start off there, go big. You got, I think we're going to have a disagreement here as well. Probably, because I know your number one is, so it's not the same as mine. Um, <laughs> I, let's uh, see, there's a, the top, this is a quality, quality cornerback. It is, a, it is a quality group. I'm yeah. going to preface that. I, I scouted 44 cornerbacks in total. 45, if you include uh, the kid from Appalachian State, who I put down as a safety. But uh, John Shamarshells. But, Paddy Satane is my number one guy. Um, I don't often can't argue with that. To be fair, I don't no, think you can argue with it. I don't think you can either. It's just, it's just. Uh, the, I have to say, it's the most all-round cornerback at the top end of this class. Might not have the same upside as Caleb Farley. Obviously, we'll just put the injury things to one side. Um, might not have the same aggression or big playability as JC Horn, but he does everything, and he does it. He executes with such technique that he, it feels like. He's the safest cornerback to me in this yeah. class. I think that's I'd the best, way to, the best thing, way to put it. To me, he is the closest thing to Darrell Rebus in this draft class. Ooh. Um, oh, okay. It's a, it's a big combo. I'll just talk about the way he plays. Like you don't, you can leave him on an island. You can make him play in press. You can make him play in zone. You can make him play in off man. It doesn't matter. He'll he'll execute. I think that's the best thing about him. Um, what is he lacking? Maybe a bit of long speed. Um, you sometimes you want him to be a bit more aggressive, but he's so graceful. You, you, if he had more aggression, then all of a sudden you'd be saying, well, that's corner, you know, isn't it? Where, where's, his, where's his composure? You know, you can't have it both ways. I honestly think that Pat, Paddy Sertain is, for me, the surest thing. I, I don't see, whilst I understand the virtues of the other guys, and I do love the other guys, I can't see how you can pick them above him. That's my just my mindset. If you're if you're a, an NFL franchise, I struggle to see why you pick a, the other guys above 
Patrick Sertain when he offers a much better package. I suppose the argument is that he's been at Alabama and much like, I think we discussed this last week, the Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State kind of kids, they're so well coached, they're yeah. so well rounded, so polished that maybe the, the other prospects haven't quite had that ability to do that. So maybe when you put them in such a situation, they will become a better player than Patrick Sertain. But it's a risk, isn't it? And that's why he's my number one. I can't argue with it. Um, I've got Kelly Farley number two because I've not knocked him down for injury concerns whatsoever. And an ultimate proper ball hawk, isn't he? Mm. Um, there are some questions about him, though. I think even before this back surgery, I mean, what, he's only played 23 games for Virginia Yeah, he's Tech. super inexperienced, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, and he even had back spasms then, didn't he, before before he's had this uh, surgery. So it's not like this is a new thing. I think there is some risk with uh, Caleb Farley when you, can, when you take he it slides? Out. Yeah, I, think, well, I still think he's a first-round pick, but I think you're going to end up going to one of those teams that can really afford to make that pick. Um, and the, the rich getting richer, you know, like mm. the Saints who've got salary cap purgatory and, and are, um, you know, they've got Marshall Lattimore coming up to the end of his rookie deal and they've got all, you know, other pieces in that in that secondary who are going to, they're going to have to pay all the walk and they can't afford to pay. So they're going to pick someone like Farley. They're going to get away with bloody daylight robbery, aren't they? Um, because he's, his ball skills are fantastic. You know, he's so smooth in his transitions. He matches play stride for stride. Um and the, he's got this kind of understanding of the game that it's almost innate to him, isn't it? So I do really enjoy that. But yeah, the injuries, things are concerns. You just want him to really trust himself a little bit more sometimes. And, and he's a bit handsy as well, so susceptible to penalties. So Don't mind that. Don't no. mind that. Well, you Johnson last year, so yeah, you, that was handsy corner coming out. Well, moving on to my number three, you wouldn't mind that, would you, Lee? Because uh, my number three is JC Horn. <laughs> who, bas- well. who basically lives with his hands inside the pockets of uh, wide receivers. Uh, this, yeah, I can see why anybody likes JC Horn. How can you not like this guy? He's just an absolute animal. He's like a, reminds me of like a Yorkshire Terrier who's like grabbed onto of your trouser leg and won't let go. Like you try and shake him <laughs> off and he just won't go anywhere. He will fight for absolutely everything on every play. Mm. You've got to love that about him. He's an absolute baller. One of those guys who'll just talk smack all the way through the game. Just like, oh my God, just leave me alone. You know, <laughs> he will mentally wear down his opponent as much as he will smother them. And I think, you know, he's got the measurables as well, isn't he? He's got good length. He's six foot one, 205 pounds. He's almost made for the position. Yeah. Um, yeah, I honestly think he's a first round draft pick. There's no question about it. I think he's probably, I'm thinking top 20 at this stage. I think he, he probably jumps into that range. Um, and the way he, how he got better from his sophomore to his junior year in South Carolina, the, the arc is, is extreme. Mm. And so I think you could expect that again, going into the NFL. I think um, he's not a player you think is going to be a problem. Um, and man coverage cornerback all day long. I think he's got all yeah. the traits you need. I think he's perfect, perfect player. Uh, number four, I've got Elijah Molden. I do love Elijah Molden. Uh, I really do love I'm a big Molden. fan, but four. Yeah, I, I think, well, I think he's, Again, we're going to, I mean, it almost seems like we're using a get-out-of-jail-free card, but there's a lot of different players in this draft class that teams could take in different orders. And mm. to me, there's only three that are guaranteed to go in the first round, and that is Satane, the three that that about. Farley, and that's JC Horn. Mm. I think I think up to three more could go, potentially. I don't think they will. I think maybe one or two more. But who they are, I couldn't tell you. I love Elijah Molden. I love that, you know... That, People almost look at slot corners now as if it's a bit of an insult, but it's it's, no, a, no, it's no. a position in the NFL now. Your best way to come and use it, you know, you can blame Wes Welker. He created slot a slot receiver, and then Julian then ran with it. Now everyone's got a slot receiver, so you've got to have a slot corner. It's that simple. Mm. Um, he's he was born to play the position. Um, yeah, absolute playmaker, isn't he? Uh, yeah, very physical, Super solid. Yeah, he's slightly undersized, and he don't get me wrong. Five foot ten is the worry. That's the worry. But I mean, he's. He, 
he's got. I think he's going to be. Whilst he might not be like the guy you'll you'll see week in week out making massive plays, I think he's going to have a big career again. I think he's going to be like that Nickel Roby Coleman kind of guy who just shows up in the playoffs causing issues. You know, I think he's the that kind of quarterback. He'll get, be on the field a lot. A lot because obviously yeah. not just by playing slot going. I think people will eventually move him outside as well. I mean, the teams who like the smaller guys like San Francisco playing Jason Barrett out in the outside corner as, as the Chargers tried to if it wasn't for his health. Mm. You know, I think that's the kind of mold that Elijah Molden will, will eventually finish in. But I can understand why people are a little bit reticent about him. I really wanted to force Greg Newsom into my top five. He just sits at six uh, because Eric Stokes is just an athletic freak. Mm. So uh, he comes in at number five. Uh, uh, we know Alex Chinnery at the touchdown absolutely loves him. Like he says, that the number one cover cornerback in his class may be. Um, might, might be going a little bit too far for me, but I can see why. You know, the speed's there. He's just, I, I, playmaker, again, absolute elite ball skills. And then, but can be there in any situation. You talk about um, corners who, who have like the range or like safeties have the range to play almost like numbers to numbers well how about sideline to sideline because this guy can but ultimately they're going to play him on the outside and he's going to be a real shutdown corner I don't I, I, I don't see a problem with that he's a guy I think will probably jump into the first round really yeah. that back end um, but yeah just squeezes he's so clever in his footwork as well like, not only is he fast but he really really pushes receivers off the red line squeeze them towards the sideline just, mm. and without even physicality really almost just like guides them away you know, from a, a just jockeys them doesn't he yeah, just like kind of guides him away from that superior positioning for the pass catch and it makes it easy for himself. He plays the game with such composure and such skill that it's such... I love watching these cornerbacks. I could wax on all day. Uh, yeah, they're my top five, buddy. Um, I, there's some names here that I've not got, managed to fit in there. And there's So lots we're, of- are we converting you to being a defensive back? You know, you love watching the defensive backs now, just like me. Is that what it is? I, I, hey, <laughs> I've, never, I've never said I haven't. I will take every uh, prospect class on its merit, mate. So <laughs> last year I enjoyed watching the running backs, I think, a little bit more than I did this year, for instance. But, uh, oh, I mean, I think one of the best positions to watch is offensive linemen. It's, it's almost one of the easiest positions to watch, really. You can really focus on one guy and see what he does. It's quite clear. Mm. Cornerback's a little bit nuanced, more nuanced than that. But once you know what you're looking for and the safeties as well, because there's so much variation in what they can do, it makes it so much more interesting. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I completely agree. With that, my favourite position to, to, to scout and look for and just watch as well. You know, you know me well mm. enough by now. Um, man number one, I've shot this from the rooftops for quite a long time, JC Horn. Um, my favourite tape that I've watched all year was him against Auburn. He made Seth Williams his son. Um, he's just absolutely dominating. I just think he can, if he can hit those heights every single week or most weeks, I just think you've got, you know, the next top cornerback in the, the NFL. Maybe not the number one cornerback, but, you know, we're talking about a top five player. If he hits his ceiling, like you say, Patrick Sertem is the, he's the name brand, isn't he? He's the, he's the guy who everyone knows. He's the guy who's come from the big school. He's the guy who will go first. I think he's nailed on to go to the Dallas Cowboys at number 10. Dude. I don't think Jerry Jones, I don't think he'll resist wanting to get, like I say, a name brand. That's just him all over, I think. He's yeah, no, sensible he's... these days, Jerry, Jerry Jones, doesn't he? He doesn't draft Johnny Manziel anymore. He drafts you know, these sensible picks. I, no, think... I, agree. I agree. I think he does like the certain guys that, that shine. Um, I just wonder if he would be an offensive lineman, perhaps, at that point, because obviously... You know that's falling apart a little bit for them, mm. but yeah, no, I do, I do take that. Sometimes you look at players, you go, right, that is a Dallas Cowboys pick all day yeah. long, that one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I've got, I've got him pretty much nailed on. You know, when my final mock draft comes out, he'll be at number ten. I do take your point. Yeah, they do need defensive linemen. We know that both positions are pretty deep in the draft. I think they could probably get one in the second round yeah. as well. You know, our charges are kind of in the same dichotomy, really, aren't they? As well. 
Caleb Fowley's number three. You know, I think one, one thing that we didn't mention is his athleticism. You know, we mentioned his back injuries and things like that. The guy can fly, mm. you know, and he's got that upside. Um, you know, and he's got that. Um, I might say he used to be wide receiver as well, didn't he? As I well. think so, yeah. So, you know, he's got those ball skills as well, and it definitely shows, you know, a bit of refinement um, and hopefully get over this injury, get over these back injuries. And, um, yeah, I think you've got a top, top-end cornerback on your hands there. Greg Newsom did sneak, sneak into mine. I think, you know, he's number four for me. And, it, you know, we, again, we're getting a bit of difference here, but I don't think we're getting too much disagreement. I just think we've got him in a different different order. I think with Greg Newsom as well, which isn't really getting mentioned by Greg Newsom too much by too many people, is he's also had injuries as well. You know, people are beating yeah. Caleb Fowler with that stick, but they're not really beating Greg Newsom with that stick, which isn't the most fair. But again, another man coverage corner fits the modern day NFL. One thing I didn't mention about Horn is obviously man coverage corners are massively in, in vogue. And, you know, it's not the side of the game that most cornerbacks have got down. And if you've got those guys who can do that straight away, then they're going to be on the field and going to be, you know, they're going to be guarding the, the top dogs in the on the other side of the ball, aren't they? So mm. I do think Greg Newsom can do that and obviously a great athlete as well. Yeah, is I think, I th- just, oh, sorry, just there, sorry, just that Greg Newsom. I think he is basically JC Horn, but not as good. Like he hasn't got the quite the big plays on tape that JC Horn's got. He's only had one interception in his college career. Um, he's played seven games less than Caleb Farley has. Mm. You know, and he's had missed time with what is groin and ankle issues, I think, as well. So yeah, this is the only reason why I couldn't squeeze into my top five. I mean, I love Northwestern as a football team. You know, what they've done over there is amazing and obviously very smart, as you have to be to go to yeah. Northwestern. You know, very clever footballer. You, you can't just appreciate watching when he's on the field. It's just a case of will he be on the field. I think um, I think he falls into the round two just because of that, really. That's my only concern with him. But uh, I do love him. I think, like you say, he's another guy who can move, can absolutely fly. Um, they, they don't grow on trees. So, yeah, yeah, I do love Greg Newsom. My quarterback six, just outside. Sorry, say that again. Oh, he's my quarterback six. It's just oh, sorry, I, I miss I misheard you. I thought you were, you were going to about to say someone else, but I misheard you completely. Sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> what I was going to do is I was going to roll into my number five guy, which might be a bit controversial, and I will preface this by saying I do like Eric Stokes, but my number six, number five guy, sorry, is Tyson Campbell. I actually flip him around. I actually really like Tyson Campbell. I think the upside is so so high. You just like you just said, you just said the, the exact phrase that I was going to use for Tyson Campbell. These guys do not grow on trees. He's six <laughs> foot two. He's a great athlete. He's got great long speed. He does need some refinement. He needs to get his head around and watch the football every now and then, which would help him an awful lot. But I just think he's he's just a modern day NFL corner that everyone wants. I think he'll get overdrafted because of that. And I just see that potential in him so much. You know, he does flash. He does flash a lot of good things and he doesn't do it. He doesn't join those things up more uh, as, as often as Eric Stokes does. Eric Stokes is kind of more uh, solid, safe as you go kind of thing, whereas Tyson Campbell's more sort of up and down. But I do think those highs are so, so high. I do think if someone can get him in the coaching building with a real top um, defensive backs coach, I think, again, you've got your hands on a top, top player with Tyson Campbell. Yeah, this is like uh, the, the linebacker group, but in Georgia, there's four cornerbacks uh, from Georgia going into, going into the NFL this year. And uh, I think it's quite telling that despite how deep that secondary was for George, Tyson Campbell was rarely targeted. Um, mm. And you wouldn't, would you? Look at him, it's like a windmill. Like those, that <laughs> length. Of, he is the prototypical Seahawks corner there. They were the ones who kind of looked out for this this length yeah. as a as the big thing, you know, this aggressiveness in the secondary. And um, it's kind of permeated through the league's copycat league, isn't it? And uh, everyone's mm. doing it a lot of it now. But yeah, I mean, he's just... The, the size and you know he needs to put a bit of weight on I think he seems a little bit lean yeah he's under 200 pounds yeah yeah I mean certainly at six foot two you know 
But I don't think there's a problem. I think the building blocks are there. I think, like you say, the NFL teams just want to get him in the building. And I think it'd be interesting to see which of these two cornerbacks has the better career long term. You know, I think they'll be kind of paired together, won't they, all the way through the careers and they'll be kind of compared a lot. I think Stokes has those kind of probably the the attributes to his game to make an impact more quickly. But that's be interesting to see who's still, you know, doing the business in five years' time, I think. But uh, yeah, Tyson Campbell, my cornerback seven. So we are in agreement at the quarterback position. Just Mm. smart minds, mate. (laughs) Smart minds. But I mean, trying to fit all these names into the top five because we haven't even mentioned Asante Samuel, who obviously everyone's getting very excited about. His father played in the NFL for the uh, Eagles, the Patriots, the Falcons. Um, I think I had him down when I first did it, quarterback 11, you know, because there's just so many names. I mean, we haven't mentioned Ifiati Melifonwu. I absolutely adore Trill Williams. Yeah, Um, they're both really good. They're both from Syracuse. Uh, Aaron Robinson, who was one of the highest guys for UCF. Uh, People seem to have forgotten about him. I I was never quite as high, but I've also not, Dog done me either, so he's in my top 10 still, you know. There's so many good players. Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky didn't make my top 11. You wow, know? really? Okay. Yeah, it's just it's, he's there at 12 because there's so many names. I think he's at that point, I think those top 12, and then you might see a little drop off because then you've got the likes of what what's on my list here. Paulson the Debo, I love him. Can't help but love him. Hit and miss, but he's uh, high. He's highs are high, but he's low. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, what you got to so look low. at? The, yeah, but how can you not fall in love with the highs? I don't understand. Absolutely, it's because it, I mean, obviously, I've just talked about Tyson Campbell and how he is inconsistent, mm. but I don't think his lows are as low. No, Whereas no. I'll accept. Oh. I'll accept. It's the an low absolute. Lows, not that a, bad, but the, when the when the floors a, are like the Mariana Trench, I can't accept that. Yeah, no, he's an absolute car crash when it all goes wrong. He's <laughs> yeah. well, it's a bit like Greedy Williams, you know. It's like, oh yeah, it's everything. It's like, oh, look at this dude. Next thing you know is, what are you doing? And the thing is, he should be really good. He's got all the speed. He's got all the length. He's, yeah, he's, he's that long receiver, again. so he's got all the ball skills. Yeah. But he just and needs to put it all together. And he's smart. Yeah. He, well, Stanford, isn't it? Yeah. He goes to Stanford, for Christ's yeah. sake. <laughs> <laughs> just boneheaded decisions. Um, Shakur Brown, one of my favorite guys from Michigan State. This is mm. like the complete opposite. You know, like he's he's only just touching six foot. He's hundred eighty pounds. It reminds me of Josh Norman, just that real annoying dude. <laughs> yeah, but, the, uh, the terrier thing, right? When you were talking, yeah, about I, I, yeah, oh, yeah. I think he's a third round terrier, though. So I think you're looking at, you know, pros- when he gets to the third round, you're looking at for prospects who flash all the traits, but for one reason or another, haven't put it all together essentially. Mm-hmm. And that and that's basically Shakur Brown in a nutshell. I think finally we saw what it could be in 2020 for Michigan State. It's not been, a, it wasn't the greatest years for Michigan State. They've been a bit of a lean time last two or three years for them compared to the D'Antonio years. But um, I think. He seemed to grow mature in in, in that final season uh, in East Lansing. I got, did a better job playing with discipline, emotional control, because he, he is one of those guys like Josh Norman who will get into it, can't help but do it, and he will lose his composure in the game. You know, like some some guys can talk the smart like Chauncey Gardner Johnson and just shut it off and like come back to it. You know, and it won't yeah. affect them whatsoever. And then other guys can't do that. And uh, Josh Norman was one of them. Shakur Brown <laughs> was definitely one of them, but. I think he's a nickel corner at the next level. Very excitable player. Love that kid. Uh, yeah, we should really talk about these other two, these, these two Syracuse lads. Uh, if you had two Melifolm, mm-hmm. who again, six foot two, 212 pounds, you know, the length. Skyscraper, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and how badly used were these players in Syracuse last year? I mean, Trill Williams, what are they doing playing him in uh, slot corner for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they both, they've both got height and size, haven't they? They should be like two twin towers on the edges, Ab- on the outside. Yeah, on the outside, without a question. But, um, and again, there are holes in these games. Like both from zone coverage ain't going to be their thing. You want them in mm. press man coverage. Yeah. You want them in the, you want them in the line causing issues. Um, 
from the from the get go because they both play with great aggression as well. So yeah. I love that Melifon. We did Kieran say he's British. I think Kieran said on that, uh, which I didn't know about. I think he's born here. I don't. I think he's grown up in the states. So I, yeah. I don't think he's like a true like you know from Preston or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> he wishes he was from Preston. Uh, but yeah, Trill Williams. By that you talk about Jalen Johnson. I, this is my comp, uh, Trill Williams. Um, yeah, I can see that. I, I, he's he's highest not quite up there with Melifon, which I don't think. I think he's probably more of a late day two pick for me. But yeah, you just watch the tape on this kid. And how you can't help but fall in love with him. I just just do not like the tape from 2019 when he was playing on the outside to 2020 when they moved into the slot. I just do not understand why they did that. No, so, not at all. When you have a secondary, when you've got these two big guys on the outside, yeah. and you've got someone. I know he wasn't there all the time because he's injured, but Andre Cisco can run the middle. I was just about to say, I mean, that we're going to get to him in a minute. And he was another fantastic talent in this circuit secondary. They were using far too close to the yeah. line, <laughs> Yeah. Right. He's got all this range. And then, the, yeah, playing as like yeah. a box safety after time. But yeah. So I don't know what was going on there, but like, loads of names there. We've got uh, an interview coming out tomorrow. He spoke to Benjamin St. Juiced from Minnesota. That was nice. dropping at 12 o'clock uh, Saturday morning. So keep you out Saturday afternoon rather so keep you out for that but yeah he's an interesting uh, character again another real like, he's even longer I think isn't he six foot three yeah six foot three yeah proper Jeez. proper six foot three as well yeah I mean uh, he's a <laughs> he doesn't look like a cornerback at all but he's very very good playmaker mm. on the ball um, doesn't necessarily take the ball away and, and create interceptions but shuts down and uh, he's quite fun to watch as well and again another guy who with a bit of polish should be something good uh, anyway, let me like, let me let me ask you about one guy who we've not mentioned. Uh, the elephant in the corner of that room is Sean Wade, isn't it? Yes. Now what do we reckon? What do we reckon for Sean Wade? So I've got Sean Wade, Wade about a fourth round pick. Now I think a lot of teams will go, oh, you know, like you see these mock drafts. Oh, I've got Sean Wade in the t- with two hundred thirteenth pick. Like, well, you might have done on that, mate, but you won't in the real <laughs> yeah, life because no. because <laughs> because Sean Wade. Um, it's hard to say. Like he was supposed to be this lockdown corner, it didn't quite work out for him. It became almost kind of like a, a physical. It became corner. a bit of a sad story, really. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think. The, I think eventually, when he found his way to the slot, he kind of clicked from a little bit. But he seemed to get lost. Yeah, at Ohio State, and I don't think it's over for Sean Wade. I think if he doesn't work at cornerback, I think he can move him to safety. I think he could be a box safety, just about, or maybe certainly a strong safety. Anyway, in the more traditional form. I don't think it's over for him, but um, I think he'll certainly go mid rounds. I don't think he's far yeah. further than that. It's no, just, he's got that pedigree anyway, and he did prove like first season in uh, in Columbus, like could do the business. You know, I thought I know that uh, Rory uh, Daniels from the touchdown is quite high, and he just, just doesn't seem to understand what's what's gone wrong there. But I think yeah. for, for me, and I've been saying this for a few weeks, he just needs to stay in his lane. He just needs to go to the NFL, be in the nickel corner, be yeah. good, have a good career, and. That, that's just it just accept it you know you went and tried to be be the outside guy and be the guy at Ohio State which we know again it's this conveyor belt school isn't it you know they're right up there mm. with a shout of being DBU but do you know what if you're not good if you've not done it then don't try and do it you know you know you're good at doing nickel stuff you know you can play a bit of safety as well you've definitely got a career in the NFL Reminds me of the the quandary and what well, the this all self-imposed quandary that Rashawn Gary put on himself by trying to be an edge when yeah, he was no, never an outside linebacker. Mm. Should just play play on the defensive line, play with hand in the dirt, you know, you know, even or yeah. front doesn't matter. Just have a good career. There's no shame in it, like you say. You mentioned Elijah Molden. Elijah Molden is a nickel cornerback, and that's all yeah. he'll ever be. For me, I know you said that you you reckon he can play outside, but there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's a starting position in the NFL these days. And I think both of these guys can have really, really good careers as your second, sorry, your third and fourth corner on the on the roster, and to be locking down some guys over the middle. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think they both got the skill set to do it, 
and you know, you'll have a prosperous career. You just won't make the big, big books like your outside corners do, but you're still going to be a rich guy. Just live with it. <laughs> no, I agree. I think he's basically Desmond King, isn't he? Like, yeah. George has yeah. found out he was a talent. We, we, we pushed him too far. Couldn't do it. He's out the door, you know, and now he's struggling to find it because people think he's going to be something better or different to what he should be, really. And, uh, mm. Uh, yeah, I think Sean Wade was an excellent slot corner early in his Ohio State career, and I don't think it's a problem. I think as long as you know what you're getting from him, he's a very physical one as well, you know, not yeah. just like not just a quick one. I think um, he'll enjoy. I think I, I think he almost had the package to be a, a, a nickel corner, you know, the slot corner guy. I think that's what he can be. I don't understand what the problem is. I just yeah, like you say, it just seems to be mismanaged again and almost forgotten about a little bit. But you tell me who's one of your later names then, mate. Come on. Oh, I have two, really. Two from the same school, both from Oregon. Dima Dore, Lenore, and Thomas Graham. Thomas mm-hmm. Graham didn't play um, this year. The, they almost all opted out, obviously, with the Pac-12, and then obviously with the with the uh, Black Lives Matter movement that went on. Um, but Lenore came back, had a really good season. I think the first time he got his hand on the ball, he went for six. He took it back for back for a touchdown when he got an inception. I just think he's a playmaker, this guy. Mm-hmm. I think I'd have him higher than Graham. And I just think that neither of them are big athletes, neither of them have got the ideal size, but both football players, football players who just make plays. And I think they're a really well-coached football team in Oregon. And yeah. I think their secondary, which could have been really scary, you know, with, with the safeties and things like that, with Javon Holland as well, Brady Breeze, uh, Nick Pickett as well. I think they had a really talented secondary, but obviously lost half of them and still <laughs> went and won the Pac-12. But I thought Lenore was, was, he came back and he was that leader as well. And I think you're going to get that. Had a decent senior ball, had some ups and downs. I'll say it's a decent senior ball, had some ups and downs for sure. But I think he, could, he showed he can play, and I think it's going to be a, a round three bargain. I think Graham's pretty much the same. I think he's got some safety versatility as well. Really thick lower half. He can definitely like bring someone down and attack on. Do you think like because of that, he can definitely drop down and play some safety as well? So yeah, I like them both. I really liked them before the season. Kept an eye on Lenore. Obviously had to kind of wind up on Graham because he opted out. But yeah, both of these guys as well. And I'll just mention one more from the pack as well as I can. It's my podcast. I don't care what you say. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we talked about length. We talked about big corners. Keith Taylor from Washington had nice. another had another decent senior ball. Um, another really well coached team. Have supplied the NFL with a lot of defensive backs over the years. I just think he's got he's got no polish, but he can definitely tackle. He's got that length that, like you say, with Benjamin St. Juice. I think if someone gets him in the room and they want to be that, like Seattle. Um, sort of prototypical cornerback and you kind of want to get one of those or two of those in the building. There's quite a few of those this year and I think you'll be able to, to take your pick. I think Keith Taylor will be on that bargain basement version of Melifonmu or, or Benjamin St. Juice, like you said before. Mm, yeah, I'm not wasn't too hot on Keith Taylor, but I can see where you're coming from. I liked uh, another Pac-12 guy, I'm surprised you didn't mention him, and Sean Wright from Oregon State. I thought this kid, because whilst he was very, very inconsistent, I thought the moments you saw they were screaming like talent, you know, like mm. uh, no one would enjoy playing national right. Six foot four, 188 pounds. So we're talking you know, very much that breed, yeah, very big, you know, maybe too big, but yeah, only had two years in Oregon state played Juco before that. And obviously the final season pandemic struck really didn't have mm. much of a season with the pack 12 there. Um, and as a such, a lot of his technique issues, still there, lackadaisical footwork and all over the place to be, to be quite honest, yeah, and hand placement, <laughs> things like that, you know, things you learn, Lastly, you know, the things that yeah. the, the things that bad coaches think, oh, I don't need to teach him that. He's very quick and uh, he's, he's got really good long, long length. He'll just do it anyway. You know, he's a quarterback, doesn't have to catch it, does he? You know, but um, <laughs> you can yeah. buy it away, it's fine. But it's everything like he struggles to keep his pads low. I mean, you would do it six foot four, wouldn't you? But um, when tackling it, I think getting off blocks is a problem for him, you know, little things like that. But what he can do is impressive, and that something we don't see a lot 
got a natural feel for zone coverage in this draft class. I don't think that's interesting because every different defense flashes in zone coverage. I know it's obviously not involved, but it gets used quite frequently, mm. certainly on third downs and stuff like that. Um, I enjoy the way he knows what the quarterback's going to do. That's something that, that shot me. I think he's going to go about fifth round. I'll be surprised. Um, I think he's got he's a little bit emotional as well. So, Cornbacks like, usually are, though. Yeah, <laughs> I do like those guys, though, you know, who have the passion. As far as the Oregon kids go, I think um, I think Ed Lenoir is a sixth round. I think Ed Graham is a seventh. But I think both of them will do better than the draft slots. I think mm. you've got they've got that in their locker. Obviously limited in, in certain respects. But I don't mind. my one guy I want to talk about, I don't even know how whether he's going to get drafted or not, but uh, Mark Gilbert from Duke. I don't know if you watched any of this guy's tape. I've not, actually, no. Oh, man, me. what an absolute shame for this kid. Uh, his career absolutely blighted by injury. Like, so he came in in 2017, and he absolutely tore it up in, as a freshman. Uh, six interceptions, 15 pass breakups, um, what all ACC honours, uh, and then it all, the wheels just fell off. I think um, he played four games in 2017. I think he played two games in 2018. Um, he had to have a serious surgery. They thought it was nothing, but it was uh, much more serious than anticipated. Um, ruled out completely of 2019. Worked so hard to come back for Duke for 2020. Obviously, the pandemic struck. Mm. Um, and then in 2020, he played in his senior year. Um, first thing he did was pick off a pass. Oh, uh, right. Okay. And then two games later, uh, required more surgery to remove bone fragment from his foot. Again, ending his college career. What an absolute shame. Um, but I, if you watch the tape of what he was, when he was playing, I can't really pinpoint a bad physical or mental attribute about him that that you have to worry about. I just um, because he's so because he's a, a, such a, a bad track record, and he just decided after that like foot surgery, so no, that's it. Let's just go after the draft and get it over and done with. You know, <laughs> at a certain point, it's never going to get better for you, is it? And yeah. you could have come back for that twenty twenty one season if you wanted, but that carries its own kind of penalty and in some extent you become an older prospect and that gets knocked down, you know. Some team might take a flyer on this kid in the seventh round. You know, he's quick, he's twitchy, he's highly reactive. I I think he's his short area profile is bordering on an elite. I really do. Um I think just because I think everyone knows this probably scouts that you watch just watch that first year tape and getting all A60 on it's like they know he's an absolute quality player. There's mm. The speed that he clicks and closes on the football is ridiculously good, and yeah, and obviously the production was there too. And uh, his vertical leaps not to be sniffed at either. Six foot one hundred seventy five pounds. I think he's going to be a kid that I would. If you've got some time before the draft, I know we're all busy. Um, check out Mark Gilbert from Duke because the, the high points are. Uh, we're not talking Mariana Trent's lows here. We're talking really unfortunate situation. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I he's either he's either going to sneak into a draft pick for a team who just wants to avoid. A bidding war after the draft for like a UDFA, but yeah. I think he lands in. I think he gets into camp if he can just stay healthy. This kid's got an NFL career waiting for him. Awesome, yeah. No, I'll, I'll definitely heed that advice and go and have a look. I advise our listeners to do that. Yeah. So Mark Gilbert out of Duke wants to check out in the last couple of days of the draft, or if you don't get a chance to do that, watch out for one. Like we said before, on the Saturday morning uh, when the well Saturday afternoon when the the third day is kicking off. The best the day, yeah. Best day. <laughs> Right then, let's finish this off there and go to our safeties. I'm going to start this one. Right. Going down from one to five then. I've got Richie Grant from UCF as my number one. What? I've got back-to-back TCU guys, Darius Washington and Trayvon Moreg, number two and number three. Javon Holland, number four. And to be honest, my number five, I don't even love it anymore. But like you said before, you've got to stick with it once you've made your grades. But I saw his pro day and I wanted to put him down. And I probably would switch it out if I could, like you say. But it's Richard LeCount from Georgia. And then I've got um, and our boy who we've just been talking about, Andre Sisko, at number five. 
So Richie Grant obviously evoked a bit of a reaction. I'll go through my kind of little blurb with him before. Obviously, I'm I'm I'm, I'm expecting a disagreement there. I think he's got range. I think he's got great tackling ability. I think mm. he can. There was, there was what game was it when he had an incredible series of play where he got like he got like a goal line stand. It was like a, a running play from inside the five. He got the goal line stand, pass deflection, pass deflection, or something like that. And he just like basically did it all himself. It was unbelievable. I can't remember what game it was off the top of my head. But I just think this guy has like got it all. I did, wasn't expecting to love him, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, but I was really surprised by his tape. I just think he's, yeah, he's got the modern sort of free safety kind of body type. I think he's got the the range, like I say before, to, to make the plays. I think he does get his hand on the football a fair bit as well. Um, but I do think he can drop down into the box and do that. He's not kind of one of these liability safeties like Mike want to Andre Sisko in a bit where he's this deep range from free safety, but he can't actually do anything when you're coming down or someone, you know, running back breaks off a long run and he needs to kind of bring him down. He's not that last line of defence. I'd trust him as my last line of defence in, in his tackling as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with him as number one. I wasn't actually expecting him to be number one. Adarius Washington, obviously, the little guy, Trayvon Moreg, obviously will come on to TCU guys uh, as a pair, I guess, later on. Um I, I have not a lot between these TTU guys, and I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I liked Washington a lot because I think that for a guy of his size, he's just not scared. You know, I was watching mm. him against Oklahoma against Jalen um, Jalen Hurts, sorry, and he was meeting him in the whole one-on-one, and he was pushing Jalen Hurts back and bringing him down. And I was like, wow, this guy's got some strength on him, but he's also got some range as well, and he can also you know play on the football. Really like Morig as well. But I'll let you come in on, on these these three, these top three, because I do think they're a class apart from the rest, but obviously you might disagree since you were shouting about Richie Grant. Right, well, Richie Grant actually comes at four for me, one above Darius Washington. Um, I can see, I, I don't mind the prospect. I, I wouldn't put him, I can't, I don't know how anyone could put anyone above Trevor Morig, really. Um, but what Richie Grant does as a free safety, he has, he's got it. What I don't like is when he gets any closer to the line scrimmage than that, really. Um Short area agility worries me a little bit about um, Richie Grant. And I think uh, sideline to sideline speed, he's, he's quick. You know, if he's going one direction, I think he can get there. But changing direction, not for me. They're a bit stiff-hipped. Um, productive, though. Yeah. And I enjoyed him. I did enjoy watching him. So there's that. Um, and loads of experience at UCF. Yeah. And Three. loads of special teams experience as well. Yeah. They can, I think he's probably a poorer version of Javon Holland. I quite love, I like quite like Javon Holland as well, but I think he could play a bit more further forward. So I think that's probably the reason why I had Javon Holland number two. Um, but yeah, similar prospects in that regard. Um, I do enjoy some aspects of I just that kind of like preparation that football IQ might not be quite those, but very instinctive. Sometimes doesn't trust himself though, as well in the field. I thought with Richie Grab, but can't say I didn't like the prospect, but you know, I've, I've got him, I've got him as number four ultimately. I absolutely love Darius Washington. I just think that five foot eight, I couldn't really put him any higher than than fifth there. But you, you turn on the tape. I watched uh, Iowa State 2019, SMU 2019, I think Oklahoma 2019 for Darius Washington. Anybody watches those games and tell me they don't enjoy watching Darius Washington as far as they must hate football as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> That's just stupid. It's just, it's just infectious footballer to watch. You know, I just think he just takes on anybody twice his size. And goes after him, doesn't care. The laws of physics state that he's going to struggle a little bit doing that at the next level, I think. But play him safety, play him slot corner, just put him somewhere yeah. where he can stop things. It doesn't really matter what you're going to label him, does it? The kick and play football. I, I really enjoy watching a Darius Washington. Honestly, I, I wanted to put him higher. I really did. I think Antoine Winfield Jr. going pretty high and having a great season last yeah. year does him a massive favour. 
Oh yeah, and and he's got he's kind of Antoine Winfield, but he's got he almost got like that Tyron Matthews streak about him as well. Not quite there, but not far off. Uh, and Trevor Murray, to me, the most polished uh, safety out of a lot of them, really. Uh, just pretty much play any scheme, any role as a safety. And I think yeah. that's difficult to compete with, really, with the rest of them who are probably good at one thing, maybe. And not, do you know uh, what? I, do you know what? I had Murray at the top of my board for quite a long time. Hmm. And then I was obviously grading out Richard Grant, and I was actually surprised that he was higher. So I actually right. liked Morig better, but it was just one of those things on numerical scale, obviously, you can't really cheat too much. Yeah, and it was one of them. Well, oh, okay, he's my number one, but like, I'd probably like Morig a bit better. So I can I kind of with you with that. Like, say he's more versatile. I've got down here that he can play comfortably in cover two, but he can also play deep middle as a moth defender. Yeah, good in zone, gets his hands on interceptions. You know, can come forward, um, reads route concepts really well, um, and he you know can come down as really aggressive to make the tackle as well. So like you say, he's got that rounded out. He's got good recovery speed as well. When he does kind of lag behind, he can make up the ground and get his uh, get his uh, hand on the football. Yeah. I- a freakish athleticism, really mm. freakish athleticism, but not without his warts either. Let's you know, being a bit boomer bust in some plays, over aggressive, and he'll make as many mistakes as he does big time play. So, not the perfect prospect in any uh, stretch of imagination. And mm. savvy quarterbacks have been able to manipulate him. So, there's that. Um, I think he's the first round, he's a first round draft pick, just about. I think, uh, somewhere at that real late end of day one, I'm not sure about that. I think I think he's coming off the board. The only reason why I don't think he comes off the board is because uh, there's not a massive drop off from him to the next lot. But to me, he's, he's the consensus. I don't see a candidate. Well, I mean, I don't see a candidate to take safety late on. That's what that's what is my problem with it. I, I think yeah, know, there's that. The I think is that they may, that these players might go in the first round, or one of them might. But I just don't I think see a Jacksonville. Like, I think Jacksonville might trade back from that twenty. Was it twenty three they're picking at, or the second pick? Something like got, that. Yeah, twenty three, twenty five, isn't it? Yeah, and they've got thirty three. Maybe or they could come up with thirty three to get him. I'm not sure. Um, maybe he does fall into day two, but I think after they've got Trevor Lawrence, they, I think maybe they'll target one. But then I think we'll see a little bit of a run in, in day two as well after yeah. these other guys. Um, not far off your list, really. I've got who did you have? I've got Murray, then Holland, Javon Holland. Was he in your top five? Four, yeah, four for me. Yeah, an interesting guy. A bit more of a. I won't. Calling someone a strong safety nowadays, almost a bit insulting. It's like it's almost like they want trick pony. I won't say quite like that. I really liked him. I think he showed the ability to do both roles. Um, you'll know him better than I will, I suppose. I should pass him over to you. But I, I got Kevin Bayard vibes from him. Oh, really? Okay, that, that's quite a nice comp. Let me just put my notes on, on Holland, actually. Um, I, I got him down as a lot of I, I just let me give me two seconds. Let me pull it up. Sorry, buddy. I put you on the spot there. It's all right. Don't worry. I'm your own podcast as well. What yeah. a swine. <laughs> so I've got, yeah, I've got a good athlete. Covers the slot as well as deeper. Comes downhill really nicely. Glides across the field. Really smooth mover. For sure. Definitely has mirror and match skills when he's in mm. man every now and then, which isn't a great deal. Uh, tackling is questionable if we're moving on to weaknesses. Stopping power. Wanting to put on a bit of strength. But yeah, he's that all-round kind of skill set. And also returns a few punts every now and then as well, which obviously adds a bit of value. And, you know, you're not... Um, kind of putting and going to put a premium draft pick back there. You know, if he's going second round or so, you don't mind mm. putting a second round pick back there. You know, safety can do a bit. I don't think he's the most explosive player in the world. I don't think he'll be the most explosive no. pump returner, but he'll be a safe pair of hands back there. And he'll, he'll rip off a big one every now and then, but he's not going to be taking him for touchdowns, I don't think. But, you know, one of those things when you're a bit under pressure, maybe one of you guys has muffed a punt or something like that previously in the game, I think he'll go back there and he'll, he'll be a safe pair of hands. You know, he's done it before. He's got quite a bit of solid production as a, Punt returner as well, but yeah, another one other guy, uh, like I mentioned before, just a really solid football player, mm. just a really solid, intelligent football player. Well, I wouldn't have him 
Second is this next guy, my favourite safety, I think, in the draft class. Didn't come with some injury issues, and that's uh, Hamza Nasruddin. I didn't want to like this kid. I, mean, I was much, you know, sometimes you turn to and say, I'm not going to enjoy this kid. He plays Florida <laughs> State. There's no way. I, I don't like Florida State players. I don't like the school. You know, I couldn't stop watching him. I think he's just phenomenal talent. I absolute movable Swiss Army knife of a, of a safety. You've got Jeremy Chin vibes again. Um, not far from being the complete safety for me. I mean, he's a team leader. He's the ultimate professional. And I thought that his, his fluid, his, his short range agility to me is the best in his class. Like, I know Murray's mm. athletic and I think he'd probably run faster than Nazril Dean, but the change of speed. And I didn't see a drop off either after his injuries. I thought he came back and looked perfectly fine. So uh, weird, really, because he didn't see it play a lot, did he, in 2020? No. Devastating, but got back for two games. I didn't think he looked rusty at all. I thought he looked great. I, th- I, don't, I don't think he rushed it because I think he just thought, well, I'm out of here. Huh? But, um, <laughs> well, yeah. the Florida State kids did, didn't they? did get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, mate, up top, I don't think anyone's got it quite like Hamza Nazarel, Nazarel, and he just sees it. He just sees the whole field, sees it so quickly. And when he gets there, he smacks him, smacks him right in the mouth. And I think those long, strong arms just wrap up opponents, you know. And I might mention his athleticism once or twice. <laughs> so I just, I, I just, no, I do love this guy. I think he's going to be, I think he can play him everywhere. I'd, I'd like to see him as that single high free safety. I think. Really? He, oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. I, do, I do like him there. I, I, I can understand why you worry about it a little bit, but I just don't, athleticism, you can't cope with it. I don't, and if he reads the game so quickly, there's not, there's not a pass people can make where he won't be there, you know, hmm. consistently. So I do, oh. I don't, it's a torn ACL we're talking about here. It's not, it's not, it's not terminal nowadays, is it? No, but it, I mean, it is significant still, isn't it? So, I mean, yeah. there are. I think he might fall because of that, but I think I'm a lot higher on Hamza than, than a lot of other people, but I can't help it. I just love it. I like him. I like him a lot, actually. I think you've you've nailed it on a lot of things. I think on one of my notes that I've got, he's built like a player that you'd build on Madden, you know, like a great mm, player. Yeah. You know, six foot, six foot three, he's built, you know, he's got a good weight on him as well. He's not skinny at the position. I, I would actually like him. I kind of disagree with his usage that you've kind of mentioned. I'd like him a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. I think he'd be a great box safety. I he, think he could do it all, but yeah, I agree. He um, has rushed the passer a lot as well. You know what I mean? I, I don't think he's particularly proficient at it, but I think with his speed and his size, his length, I think he'd be you know a decent situational pass rusher. Mm. You know, I'm not going to draw the lazy comparison to do when James obviously coming from Florida State and things like that, playing a similar role, but. You know, he can be that poor man's role of that. And I think just, yeah, close to the line of scrimmage, let him kind of mop up behind the defensive line. Um, you know, as you know, kind of big nickel or dime linebacker or something like that, I think that would be an ideal role for him. I don't don't see it so much deep, but like I say, he does have that athleticism to do it. And he's a very solid tackler with, with good stopping power as well. So, yeah, I see it a lot, yeah. Nice, nice. We've got some big names here we've got to talk about before we go off here. And we suppose, like Andre Sisko, we mentioned, just... Ball hop, but absolute mm. player, but completely utterly reckless. So you can understand why <laughs> he is. But I, look, I yeah. don't care. You know, I like just yes, yeah, do it. Have, have some fun with it. Go for it. You know, um, Quandre Diggs kind of style, six foot, two hundred pounds, kind of a real ad lib approach to the game. Where, but always seems to make the play. You know, but <laughs> I don't watching tape. I don't remember any other prospect having quite the amount of draw dropping plays that Andre Cisco did. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. But obviously, it wasn't always there, you know. The, but he does have the freakish athleticism again, the size that you want. Um, but no team's going to put up with the mistakes he makes. So, a bit pulse on Debo in that regard, isn't he, I suppose? But safety. 
we should really touch on Paris Ford, who I thought was an absolute I, baller. I, at Pittsburgh. <laughs> I thought he was a baller at Pittsburgh. I don't I don't think he was particularly that talented, but I thought he was quite physical, you know, he, does, he had aggression. He, he, he moves around a lot. <laughs> yeah, John, Jonathan Abram kind of uh, buzz about yeah, him around he, the field. He wants to destroy someone and not just tackle him. Yeah, and he'll chase down. He'll, I love the way he works through the wash and scrapes behind the line of scrimmage mm. and, and gets the football. I think that's that's an elite trait. Um, but then he went and did undid it all by doing absolutely nothing in 2020, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who his representation is for the NFL draft, but they... They owe him a lot of money because they've done a disservice. He should have been training the whole last year. He should have been prime ready for that Pittsburgh Pro Day, which I think quite a few Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the greatest across the board, was it? Actually, no, not really. But um, I think he really let himself down with those times. So they're stupidly slow times. Like, yeah, he didn't, he didn't. He didn't know one of the drills, did he? he didn't know how to no. run one a of the drills. Cone. Oh, was it a three yeah. cone? Was it? I, don't I can't know. remember which one it was, but yeah, he didn't ah. run it correctly, did he, or something like that? We ran a free cone of the Clutch and Pocket podcast, and Sam Aquay managed to do it without making a mistake. You know, <laughs> honest to God, like. This is one of two ways: either a team's getting a steal, or he's just tipped his hand as to kind of like the lack of work ethic he shows uh, as a prospect. So yeah, it's one or two. He's he's definitely tumbling. He's day three all day long now. I mean, there's no two ways about it. Mm. It's a sad story, really. But you know what? Was... I actually like Demar Hamlin more. Yeah. I didn't expect to. I, didn't... I quite like Demar Hamlin. I'd seen on the tape, obviously, Paris Ford. He was the more sort of revered prospect mm. coming out. I turned it on. I was underwhelmed. And then I didn't watch Mohammed straight away when I watched a few others. And then I flipped back on. The, I've watched obviously a lot of this Pittsburgh defense, watching the defensive line, obviously these two safeties. Really fun defense to watch over the past year or two. And I just was just like not all blown away by Demar Hamlin. Definitely down as a sleeper, day three kind of guy, solid player. I just think he's right, you know, really smooth, can come out of his back pedal, really solid tackler. He's got that versatility. I think he's a cover two guy. I don't think he's like a single high or particularly no. box safety. I think he's a split zone kind of safety. But really, really solid, versatile, you know, can drop in the slot in that sense is what I mean. And I think he's got really good processing skills as well. I think he can play through contacts. He's got that power as well. Sufficient athlete, not you know, not going to blow anyone away, but that's why he's a split zone safety. He's not going to do anything deep. But yeah, I was kind of impressed by him as a kind of late day three sleeper. I think he'd be a decent special teams player as well. Yeah, I agree. And I thought he had a good senior ball too. I think I really mm. helped him. Um, I quite like Tarek Thompson from San Diego State Aztecs. I only had... 2018 take to watch I've yeah, got to be honest it's, so it's that, really scarce isn't it so that was that was problematic but I quite enjoyed watching him anyway very physical big he just looks wide doesn't he for safety yeah. but can move a bit you know I was just interested in that there's some names that seem to be quite hot at the moment uh, Jamar Johnson from Indiana what do you make of that because he seems to be searing up draft boards based, I, on, based on what gonna... I would assume is one game against Justin Fields <laughs> everyone's, everyone's pointing the Indiana games so people are going to start mm. watching it I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't watched him yet. I'm hoping to get another draft profile. He's going to be my final draft profile of the year. I'm going to have, oh, hopefully, out on fulltonyards.com before the draft. So I do need to dive into him. Um, I've done, obviously, I've done Peyton Turner. I've done Jimmy Davis these past couple of weeks, and he's the one. We missed him out of the draft, guys. So I'm kind of mopping up, making these draft profiles. But I do need to dive into him. What have you seen so far? What can I look forward to? Well... <laughs> That's not a great start. Well, I just, I, I just think he's a, a day two guy. I think he's... So probably a third round pick for me. I don't, okay. I don't want to bag on him or anything, but like he's not a big hitter. He, he seems to gear down an impact. You know, he he hasn't got the he hasn't been taught correctly. He doesn't play with good leverage or low pads. You know, he, he cut tackles too often. It's like he doesn't want to get too physical. But isn't he a great have, great he report card, my friend? <laughs> yeah, when it comes, you know, 
he has the instincts though, and he's very okay. versatile. So you can see why he, he caused Justin Fields problems. He's very clever, lines up anywhere in coverage, knows what he's doing, uh, and smooth across the fields, uh, sneaky quick. So he's very graceful. Um, I love how quickly he sees it, and it's and it's like um, click and close for him. That's it. Bang! He knows what's coming. Job done. You you can't teach that. To be fair. And big playmaker as well. We're talking about big moments, not just in that Ohio State games, but he had four pass breaks up in eight games as a junior. Um, and then, obviously, that one game at Ohio State put him on the map. So he's, yeah. a, he's a good player. Jalen Hawkins kind of player for me, someone who will flash at points. Just a real cerebral, intelligent football player, but still has a lot of work to do. And, you know, needs to embrace the physical side of the football because it's only going to get harder at the next level. Yeah. I do worry about it. people sneaking him into the second, first round, early second round. I think, you know, just a cool jets a little bit there. But so the last guy I wanted to talk about, or let you talk about maybe, was uh, Talanoa Hafanga from uh, USC. <laughs> You're reading my mind. I've just, as you were speaking, I just pulled up my notes on him. Yeah, go for it, buddy, because I, I just love this absolute insane. He's a fun player to watch, right? He's just he's just brutal, isn't he? I don't know yeah. how, long, uh, how long. How many years do you give him in the NFL before he hurts himself? <laughs> before he hurts someone else or someone else. Yeah, Because <laughs> yeah. he's an absolute heat-seeking missile coming downhill, isn't he? Or a strong tackler. Yeah. Um, he's got decent man coverage skills, but he's just about range, he's just about ranging and hitting, isn't he? He's just about running around and making hits on someone. I don't think he's, he's you know, a high-end safety prospect. I think he could play a little bit of linebacker, maybe go back to what I was saying about Nasser Dean in that role, obviously without the edge. Um, rushing that we that I mentioned with Nasir Dean. Uh, I, I don't think he can play deep at all, actually. I don't think he's got that kind of mentality. I think he wants to come down rather than go up the, the field, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Range, range sideways is decent. Lateral movement is decent. Football IQ is pretty good. And, you know, he's shown some ball skills. He's got some production, but um, that's not what he's there for. He's there to take people's heads off. And like you say, <laughs> he just throws himself around with reckless abandon, doesn't he, really? And it's yeah, just it's really not, fun to watch. He's an understand, undersized linebacker to me. Yeah. It's, it's Keanu Neal. That's who he is. He's a dangerous man. Dangerous man who you did not want him to be anywhere near when things are going down. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, glad we, glad we, uh, we finished off on a, a Pac-12 guy. Anyone else from you before we get finished? Anyone nah, at all? No, I'm happy with that? No, I'm pretty chuffed with that, buddy. Yeah, no, awesome. Yeah, so that was us um, talking all the way through the defence. A lot of great conversation. A little bit more disagreements, but I think we're in, we're in some agreements there, so that's good. Yeah, really good. So, right, finish off. Tell us where the listeners can find you, usually. Uh, well, usually all the time, man. I mean, man, usually. Uh, okay, so if you want to listen to me swear and drink beer and then talk a bit of football, you can come and watch the listen to the Collapse in Pocket podcast. Uh, just did our mock draft for the season. I don't really remember much of it. Uh, but if you want the serious stuff, the stuff that I'm really proud of, then head over to the touchdown.co.uk. We have a lot of good writers there. We do a lot of good work. We've got 334 uh, prospect reports on that site for you to uh, have a look at. We've got all kinds of um, interviews with different players. We had an interview with um, Rondell Moore. We've got one with uh, Benjamin St. Juice next week, uh, tomorrow. So yeah, plenty of that going down, all kinds of stuff and great work from uh, Bex Rennie as well on the small school prospects. She's smashing it too. And all the way through the season as well. So yeah, just uh, check us out, see what you think. Follow us on Twitter at the touchdown NFL and uh, yeah, enjoy the NFL draft. Absolutely. Yeah. Completely second that you great work over there. Got a great team over there doing a lot of good things, a lot of good content. And I'm sure there's a lot of uh, great things on the horizon as well for you guys. So yeah, look forward to seeing that being in part of this, you know, podcast elite that we, I think we kind of kind of class ourselves in. Um, and yeah. you say that, mate. I don't want to get too big headed. <laughs> no, I'll keep that in there. Keep that in there. You know, I've had a good, had a good couple of weeks with yourself, and it's been a great time getting together with you. Like you said before, talking about the draft and this like, kind of cross pollination between our two podcasts, and uh, just talking about the thing that we love as the NFL draft. Yeah, we, we do love it, and it's always a pleasure to join you, mate. Anytime, and hopefully next time it'll be in the same room over a beer. 
Absolutely. Yeah, this time next year, if not before, hopefully before. Uh, when Hopefully. we all get back to normal. Um, but yeah, no, this has been a little bit of crossover between myself and Sai. Um, like I said before, if you uh, want to hear us talk about offence, go on to the Claps in Pocket podcast and hear the same cast, but obviously on Sai's podcast. Um, but yeah, this has been me, Lee Wakefield and Simon Carroll talking about the NFL draft and talking about defensive prospects. If you want to find me at Wakefield90, you can always find me behind the uh, Full 10 Yard CFB handle at Full 10 Yard CFB. Like I say, last, one last plug for the draft guide, last few days to get it in. We've only got digital copies left at the moment. All the printed copies are actually sold out, so we've done fantastic work. Thank you for your support on that. Uh, best five or six quid that you'll spend on your digital copy, I guarantee. Um, but yeah, no, catch us soon. And thanks for listening to this one. It's been a long one, so thanks for sticking with us. Um, but yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, Full10yards.com or follow us on Twitter at Full10yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.